What's going on, everybody? My name is Dallas. You're listening to the podcast where we talk about food in and around Victoria, British Columbia. And today, it's we're going to be doing something a little bit different than I've done in the past. This is sort of going to be focusing on a virtual event based on some other events that have already happened. There's going to be more stuff in the future. But I have two lovely people here with me. I got Bonnie, who's the owner of the Off the Eden Track Food Tours. Hello. How you doing? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. I'm a little nervous. Like I said before, it's, yeah, it's, I'm still getting into these things again. And I also have the Thirsty Writer. I've got Joe Weave here. Hey, how you doing? Good to see you. Dude, it's good to see you. Yeah. Yeah, it's been a little bit since we were playing on the basketball court. I know. Usually uh, we are bumping and grinding each other on the basketball court, <laughs> getting sweaty together. <laughs> I just got to say, though, if you've, if you've read anything about beer in BC, you've probably read something Joe has done. Because you've been doing it for like 15 years, right? Yeah, it's been my uh, main thing for a long, long time now. I was just talking to somebody who's actually a, a, like a librarian archivist at SFU, did a Zoom call today because she's wanting to start uh, put together like a craft beer archives uh, for, you know, BC history of craft beer. And so we had this great talk about, you know, all the, the things I've collected over the years and all the people I know. And it was reminding me exactly that it's been something I've been focused on for like at least 10, 12 years, if not longer. Yeah, yeah you'd be paramount for that uh, um, project. Yeah, it's great. Like I'm, you're, I'm you're really excited to be involved with it. Yeah, 100%. So the event itself, this is the Beer and Cookies online tasting event. It's happening on December 4th, a Saturday night. If you have nothing going on that night, you're probably going to want to check this out. So for anyone that hasn't seen this event and seen what it's about, how are you going to, how would you describe that? Well, uh, I would describe it as a way to try new things, uh, new food, new beer, perhaps, and get a chance to hang out with Joe and I, uh, albeit virtually, and have an interactive, fun, laid back, casual, uh, informative, fun event where essentially you can do it in your pajamas at home and, uh, yeah, just get into it. We love it when people tell us what they think, if they liked our tasting, if they didn't, what they liked about it. They're obviously going to learn a little something, something. Of, as you just mentioned, Joe has an insane wealth of knowledge when it comes to craft beer. So we get to hear what Joe has to say about the beer and why we picked it. And then my, of course, background is in food. So I will then chit chat about the food that's being tasted. And of course, this upcoming event has to do with cookies. So, I mean, you're basically going to eat cookies and drink beer with Joe and I, which is super fun. Yeah, and beer and cookies. I mean, it sounds like a crazy combination, right? I mean, who would naturally gravitate towards pairing beer and cookies? But we've been doing a series of these events together over the last year and a bit, I guess. And uh, we, uh, we've we always had like a dessert course as part of it. Usually we have sort of a, you know, a little sort of appetizer type thing and then a couple of more main dishes. And then we finish off with some sort of dessert. And those pairings have often been the most exciting and most successful um, successful ones of the evenings uh, based on the feedback we get from the people involved. Now, I should point out, they are the, the final pairing of the evening, so people have consumed a little bit of alcohol by then. <laughs> so those final pairings are always exciting for that reason. But still, it's like the concept of dessert pairings with beer is such a fresh and original thing in most people's minds, mine included. Like This is something that's been blowing my mind over the last couple of years, too, um, that it's uh, it's really a lot of fun. So the fact that we're doing a, a whole event that is essentially all dessert pairings is really exciting. I'm really stoked about that. Yeah. Who doesn't love dessert? Mm -hmm. exactly. right? like, I, I personally have never combined beer with like a dessert, I think. I've always had sort of beer at the start, and then it's like, okay, I've had that, now it's done. It's like I have this with the main course. 
So this is this is interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I absolutely think people are very comfortable. Like wine and chocolate is like hand in hand. People are so comfortable with that pairing, and I, I even just food and beer pairing in general. I mean, I did my W set three, and I've worked in the industry, and I, I just don't think people understand just how complex beer can be, and how it really does affect food, and and how you taste food exactly as if you were having it with wine. Um, that is just very common knowledge. Yeah, wine and food it changes the taste of the food, and it changes the taste of the wine. It's the same way with beer, and beer now especially is so complex and different, and we're subject now to all these different styles of beer. So I think uh, just edu- educating people, but I think as more and more people see that. Um, um, having something sweet with a beer isn't quite as crazy as maybe some people think it is. And of course, coming up to the holiday season, you know, having cookies around, which you're probably gonna, um, it's nice to know that you can pair it with something sophisticated and and really yummy and it be just enjoyable and, and really fun. Yeah, and, and the breweries around Christmas time love to put out lots of uh, strange, well, I say strange, unusual uh, beers using a lot of the holiday Christmas type flavors, you know, a lot of the flavors that you'll find in cookies and desserts at Christmas time. So it, it's it's a natural leap, you know, for me to try to match, match some of those up. Um, there's, yeah, there's so many ways you can approach it, you know, and uh, it's kind of, it's kind of cool to see some of those flavors coming through, you know, in the cookie and then a different take on it in the beer and seeing how the two kind of merge and mesh and do their thing together. What's the, uh, the most unique one you've seen around the holidays as far as beer goes? Oh my God. That's, there's so many. I mean, uh, what's the first one that pops into your head? Like something like, like a peppermint sort of thing, like a candy cane. That's sort what of I thing. was thinking. Yeah. You know, those are, cause I don't necessarily like that flavor that much. Um, I don't go for candy canes that much personally in general, but then putting it in a beer as well, it's kind of like, kind of ruins the beer in my opinion. But, you know, the ones that I like are the ones that have kind of those like, um, oh, I don't know, like I love hazelnut. So there's a lot of hazelnut flavors that that I've noticed uh, coming through and that some breweries use in their beers around Christmas time because it's a desserty type flavor. So those ones I think are the ones that really grab my attention. The so then if you had like a dessert, like a cookie or whatever that has like a hazelnut flavor, would you pair a beer that has a hazelnut flavor as well with it? Or would you want a different flavor to pair with it? Well, you can do that and that works sometimes, but sometimes it's too much of a good thing. That's what I'm wondering. I guess it's, yeah. Sometimes you want to look for for complementary things. You know, you might go for something else. You might go for like a, maybe if there's not a lot of chocolate in the dessert, maybe go for a chocolate infused beer or you match up a, you know, a berry that might be nice, like a, a beer with a berry flavor that might be nice with that. Sometimes it's texture as well. Like yeah. if you've got a really rich food, like we've got some shortbread ahead of us, um, it's nice to pair it with like, again, like wine, you want it with something kind of light or something that has a bit more acidity to it that can rip through that kind of, sorry, can rip through um, a bit of a heavier texture. Or maybe it's a heavy beer and you want to have a texture with it that's a bit of a lighter dish. So I, uh, I do think there's uh, definitely there's the complementary aspect to it. There's the contrasting aspect to it. And then I think sometimes it's a textural thing. Um, and then sometimes it's just a wild card where we're like, yeah. let's see what happens when we do this. And sometimes it's amazing. And sometimes it's like, okay, well, all right. It's never been terrible uh, by any means. But uh, I think some have been mind-blowingly like, whoa, that was so weird how yeah. like that flavor took that flavor. And then sometimes it's been like, oh, that was a bit a big dish and maybe that lighter beer style didn't hold up to the bitter flavors or whatever is the case. Uh, that's definitely happened as well. But, um, usually we're pretty good at, at figuring out what we think would complement each other, but we get to try one today, mm-hmm. uh, where we're going to experiment. So you can get to see maybe Joe and I's process of how we, 
go about doing it. Um, yeah, we well, we're def- going to make you part of that. Process, yes, you're going to have to give that. us some yeah. feedback. That was one of my questions is where do you start? Like when you're coming up with the with the event, I was thinking you probably start with the food. And, and work backwards from there? Sometimes. Uh, or, or can it go both it ways? It goes both ways. We've done it before where I had an idea for food. I said, okay, I, I think our first one we ever did, I had this idea to do four. It's, it's always typically four dishes paired with four beer because that's usually enough for an hour. It's a lot to get through. Um, and I had this idea that each dish was from a different sort of um, geographical area, whether it was Indian food and then a little bit of Chinese food. And so I wanted to kind of feature this and then pair it with local beer. I thought that'd be really fun. So that was the first one we did. So we already had the food. We tried the food and said, oh, what beer would go with that? Then we've done it where Joe was like, okay, I want to try these unique beers. What could we pair it for food wise? And then I was like, okay, well, let's try the beer. Okay. That's the note maybe this dish would go well. So we've definitely done it both ways. Uh, this one's a bit sort of going at the same time. It's a little bit like, okay, what holiday beers are coming out? Cool. Okay. We definitely want to try that one. What cookie could pair with that? Okay. And then I was also like, well, I have this cookie that I definitely want to try. I mean, shortbread to me is you can't have the holiday season without a shortbread. So I was a bit adamant of like, okay, well, I'm going to throw in a shortbread. What do you, what beer do you think would go well with that? So this one is a little more hand in hand, whereas sometimes they've definitely been food first than pair of beer. And then sometimes it's been beer, pair of food. Yeah. And then, you know, like I got an email from uh, a brewery that was uh, sending out, you know, announcing a new release coming out soon. And it, you know, it it was like a tiramisu, um, you know, imperial stout. And I just right away, I texted Bonnie and said, we have to include this beer because it's absolutely perfect. You know, we'll find a way to make it match with a cookie because it's just like the the ideal beer for our event. Right. So, yeah, when something's that good and it stands out, like you have to include it. Yeah. It's like non-negotiable. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, that's kind of cool. If you if you're able to work like two or three of those into an event, then it's like you know they're all it's going to be bangers, like they're they're going to be absolutely amazing. Exactly. And totally. so so this event here, it's four beers and eight cookies. Yeah, give or take. It, it's four different bakeries. So we've we've partnered with four bakeries, and we've got the bakeries in front of us here. Um, some of the cookies you're getting like. Like they're littler, so you get about five. Some of them, you'll, they're bigger, you'll get about two. I mean, it's it's a pretty substantial amount of cookie. Um, and then you'll get four beers uh, to pair with it. And we have the option that, because it's it's kind of a weird, well, it's not that weird, but I it's enough, it's definitely enough beer for one person. In fact, it might be a little bit too much beer for one person. But the food-wise, you're pretty satiated as one person. And then if you split the food, so... Long story short, we've added the option that you can just add an extra food sample. So you can just add some extra cookies because we usually find that it is two people doing the event together, whether that's roommates or a couple, whatever, what have you. Um, So they're sharing the beer and that's perfect because you have an hour to sit down with us and drink a beer. Um, But they want a little extra food. So there is that option. You can add more cookies uh, if you want to, which is great. So it. The ticket itself includes those four beers with four paired cookies, um, but you can add a little sneaky extra cookie if you don't want to share your cookies. <laughs> That'd be me. Yeah, totally. I'm sorry, everyone. Everybody that's with me when you're when I'm eating cookies, you're not getting any. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Well, and, you know, Bonnie's talking about, you know, how four beers might be too much for some people and it's not too much for me. <laughs> I'd be surprised if you said it was. Yeah, exactly. It's not too much for me either, but you know, there's some out there that find four beers a little uh, traumatic. Yeah, I, I, I do these t- these tastings too without any food, just beer tastings of with through Vessel Liquor uh, once a month, and we've been doing them all virtually, and and that's the same kind of idea. Sometimes it's off, quite often it's a couple sharing the beers because they're tall cans, and 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 especially if we're going through one every 10, 15 minutes, sometimes that's a bit fast for people to to you know 
to finish the whole can off. I always tell them at the start, like, don't finish the can if you're on your own. Just put it aside. We'll move on to the next beer. You can finish it off after the after the seminar. But, you know, most of the time they're just guzzling them down because <laughs> they the want end, to. At the end of the course yeah. or whatever. The and then the afterwards, day. I'm, you know, I've been talking the whole time, so I've barely tasted them. So I have to, like, finish off, you know, after we're done. I'm like, I go and watch Netflix and finish off my beers, right? <laughs> So you just sort of do a breakthrough of or a rundown of like the beer itself and maybe the brewery and yeah, those are always themed around something. So for instance, I've got one coming up. Well, we're recording this on a Tuesday. Coming up on Thursday is my dark beers seminar. So this is you know because it's the we're in the dark season now and just had the time change and it just feels dark, so dark all the time. So I thought it was appropriate to uh, explore dark beers. Usually at this time of year, I'm doing a seminar about the BC Beer Award winners. That's usually because they are always announced in late October, but they didn't hold the competition this year. So I was excited to finally do one on dark beers because I've never really actually found a slot where that fit in my schedule. Um, so it's going to be really cool to taste through a wide variety of dark beers. You know, I have a stout, I have a, a, a Cascadian dark ale, which is like a black IPA. I have a, a British, like a very low alcohol British brown ale that I'm excited to taste. And then I have a dark sour um, no, no, I don't have, no, I do have a sour. I, I got mixed up because <laughs> we're talking okay. about this today, but so it's, it's always fun. And then, yeah, I'll talk about the breweries. I'll talk about what the, the style of beer, how it originated and, and the, you know, important, uh, kind of aspects of it. And then, and then, um, yeah, just taste through them, answer questions. It's always interesting. I'll be doing a holiday beers one in, in December too. So, uh, through Vessel Liquor, that's always a fun time, uh, to taste, to taste those. Uh, when we did it in person, we would taste eight beers because we would just pour a little tiny bit and go around the table. And so that was always quite, quite a night. Um, <laughs> but when we switched to going uh, virtual, you know, they had to buy a whole can. So we downscaled it to four beers. And I think actually it's it's a lot more manageable uh, for your palate too. totally have to do that. 100%. And I, and I do like these events a lot because it gives you an opportunity to try a whole bunch of different things. So like you mentioned here, four bakeries, right? And then uh, for breweries. So you get to try a whole bunch of different stuff and you might discover that, you know, oh, I love this thing and you might have not had it otherwise. So could we give some shout outs to who you're working with here? Yeah. Yes. And I think we should taste a cookie soon too. Yeah. Let's also crack a beer. Yeah. So we're going to do this one first? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Yeah. So that that is a, a part that we hope that people are excited about with these events. Obviously, it's just super. Oh, that's a good sound. I like that. Yeah, that was nice. I should have stopped that talking. It's no, <laughs> oh, good background sound. <laughs> um, yeah, it is. It's it's a great opportunity to support some local businesses. I, I know Joe tries to find breweries that are, you know, maybe not super available up here. Not always the case, but we try maybe a beer or two that from up Island or even international or, or, you know, typically locally BC, but we, you know, we're not discriminating. And, uh, importantly for the food, we definitely try to, uh, feature small local businesses. Maybe they're not super obvious, uh, or maybe they're new. Uh, it is a great opportunity for, yeah, people to try something they haven't tried before. And so that's a great thing to be able to do when maybe you're not, uh, out and about as much as you are, you know, used to be back in the day. So now you can, get it at home and, and get to try some small business locally, which is awesome. And so during the event, do you have an, or do you have a time where people can ask questions? 
Like at the end or something? Yeah, we want to make it as interactive as possible. So usually how it works is we kind of introduce ourselves. Uh, We are obviously all around a computer together. I mean, most people at this point have done a Zoom call, so they know the deal. But uh, yeah, we start with beer, you know, beer and food number one. I'll just jump into a quick, you know, here's what we're trying today. Here's the, you know, where they're from, what their story is, what we're about to try. Usually, hopefully there's a sort of bit of a historical background maybe to the dish. I'll talk a little bit about that maybe five minutes in, uh, and then Joe will jump in with the beer. Everyone will eat and drink. And then we'll be, you know, this is why we paired it, or this is what we liked about it. And then we open up the floor. Hey, does anyone want to chime in? What do you think? And then if people are willing, they'll come in and, and chat and then we move on. So shockingly, it's, it does go fairly fast. I mean, an hour seems like a long time to sit, eat and drink, but uh, honestly, it does go pretty quickly through the room. Um, and then at the end, we usually just end up sort of talking around the table and the virtual table and letting people, Hey, if you have any questions about the beer, do you have any questions about the food? you know let's just chat and then we end up usually spending a few more minutes at the end there just wrapping it up and there it is that's the event so well, we we also usually ask people to vote for their oh, favorite yeah. favorite beer favorite in this case favorite cookie and the favorite pairing and that's always fun because people get really into that and, and like to talk about why they liked it and then you know it's like shocking to see the results and so huh. it's, it's it's quite a lot of fun yeah was there a pairing you were trying to get to go in this event that just didn't work or did you guys nail do you feel like everything you were trying to go for well, we are still somewhat coming up with the pairings because some of the holiday beers, we kind of know what they're going to be, but we don't exactly know what they're going to be. Okay. So we have one of them, like we know the food nailed down and we have an idea of the beer. So I think we have two nailed. Yeah. And then we have one that we want to try today Tonight. and get your opinion on that we think will work, but we wanted to, you know, taste it first. And then there's one more we're still working on. Yeah. That's the best way to put it, I think. But like, we'll definitely find something good. Like, I'm talking to the breweries right now uh, through the BCL trail about uh, all their holiday releases because we're going to have a series of blog posts, you know, towards the end of November, start of December about beers and holiday events and things like that. So um, I'm just getting all that info kind of coming into my inbox right now. So, yeah. So this event's going to be kind of on the cutting edge. It is. It's going to be like the freshest, most exciting beers available. You can, yeah, you can actually prepare for like the, the holiday season. Yeah. This is the perfect way. Exactly. Because you've got all the inside scoop. So you're going you're gonna to be pointing people in the right direction. Totally. Yeah. And hopefully I, I chose some cookies that you probably are going to make at home or maybe your family's going to make them or they're just a staple. Like my family always makes shortbread. So that's to me, I'm definitely going to have some shortbread. So I wanted to maybe pick some cookies that you're definitely going to have on your table. And then now you'd be like, Hey, now I know what kind of beer I can drink with that. Uh, I did this pairing and now I know that if I bring this beer, I can be like, Hey, we're going to eat those cookies. Let's crack this beer. Instead of cracking a wine, maybe crack a beer. What about gingerbread man? Well, we have, is that on the menu? Oh, it's on the menu. We are trying it today. So the experiment that we want you to help us with is with the gingerbread cookie. So the cookie that we're using is from a company called heartfelt cookie company, uh, which is a, fairly newish company and she doesn't actually have a store. She doesn't have a storefront. She's not brick and mortar. So she does all of her stuff delivery styles and she makes great cookies. She also has a really great, um, uh, community kind of slant. She donates a lot of her profits to a local charity. So she's just great that way. And her ginger is a little bit different cause it's a little spicy. So I actually haven't even tried this cookie yet. I knew I wanted a gingerbread cookie and I reached out to this company and she said, Hey, I make this really awesome spiced ginger cookie. How about that? And I was like, perfect. So we're going to try that today and we're going to try it with a ginger beer. And there's that kind of, uh, you know, a beer and a cookie that have that same quality that we're going to see if maybe the ginger beer will will bring out the ginger cookie. But we want to start with this other beer and cookie 
Uh, the cookie itself uh, is from another great little uh, place here called Deer and Doe Bakery. If you're familiar with them, uh, she operates out of James Bay, but hot tip, she's taking over the old bakery that was in uh, Fairfield. It's right next to Toot de Sweet, right off of like almost where the like Moss Street Market is. I can't remember. Oh, so she's taking over the Cottage Bakery? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 So she's taking over part of that space. Um, And then Martha's Delectables, which is another cookie we're trying, um, she's taking over in that same building as well. So pretty soon there's going to be two cookie companies based out of that space. And then, of course, you already have Toot de Sweet there as well. So that little corner there is going to be pretty sweet little corner. So both of them haven't taken over the space yet, but both of them will. So Deer and Doe currently only operates out of her house uh, in in, uh, James Bay. So we're going to try and let's just dive right into it. We might as well. Uh, This cookie here. Yeah, go ahead and pass them around. It's a biscotti, which is of course an Italian cookie and uh, it's got cherries in it. Sorry, it's got cranberries in it. So it's got that really nice tart cranberry. So are you you having some or? I am. Yeah, you go ahead though. This same one? There's oh, two oh, in there. I see. Okay. Yeah. Me and Joe can share this. That one's for you there, Dallas. Go to town. Uh, so it's got cranberry in it. It's got pistachio. So, it, you know, it's also festive. You got the red and you got the green there. It's a biscotti. And then it's been dipped. That little tip there's been dipped in white chocolate. So I think this is a very festive, amazing, awesome cookie. So this is uh, one of the pairings that we're going to have on here. And this is the one pairing that we have already nailed down. Uh, so the beer we're about to try, uh, Joe's going to jump into the beer, but uh, go ahead and bite into the cookie if you want to give it a taste first. Yeah. So the, while you nibble on your cookie, I'll describe the beer. So this is uh, called the Duchesse de Bourgogne, and it's a uh, beer from Belgium. It's a Flemish red ale. Um, there's a sort of a whole history of these kind of beers in Belgium that are made in the northeast uh, part of Belgium, kind of the Dutch side of Belgium. And uh, basically, it's a, it's a red ale that's been soured through a natural process of aging in... Um, in uh, big giant oak vessels called fooders, big, huge, like the size of this room kind of thing, uh, standing on end though. Um, and they they acquire a, a sour tang, uh, sort of a balsamic tang almost, uh, through this process. And then they're blended back with some of the fresh beer to kind of balance them out. And ultimately it results in a really, really uh, kind of fruity flavor. I'm not going to identify the fruit that comes through, even though there's no fruit in it. Um, and uh, it's it's always been a big hit at our, at whenever we use this in a beer pairing, people always really enjoy it. Um, and I especially thought it would be good, or we especially thought it'd be good with this flavor combination. So you'll have to see, tell us what you think. Yeah, that's super pleasurable. Because like the cookie has a little bit of lemon in it that like pairs beautifully with this beer. Mm-hmm. Just a, I, I should have tried the beer before I ate a bite of the cookie, I guess, to see how it changed it. But um, yeah, these things are delicious together. It's like a symphony. It's very lovely. Yeah. So we knew that this beer would have all these really nice, it's so good. These really nice citrusy notes. And of course this cookie with the really pop of cranberry in there. Oh, and see, you, and Joe, you didn't even do the vanilla piece yet, did you? Or do no, you? Like, I haven't even gotten to the vanilla yet. I yeah, see, I saved like, it for last. so I started with that, oh. <laughs> and it was just maybe I should have saved it till the end. No, no, there's no, no Dallas, wrong you're, way. You're, to you're always cookie. all about the biggest flavor you can get, right? <laughs> so I'm all in right at the start. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah, this cookie's awesome too, by the way. Mm-hmm. And so is the beer. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the, the flavor in the beer that I always identify is uh, it's kind of a cherry flavor that comes through in the beer. But there's no fruit at all. Like Some people are actually quite shocked when they taste this beer because they're, they're convinced it must be a beer made with cherries, right? But it's just from the process of the, uh, the aging it in that wood and the, and the way that the beer um, 
the way that the beer ferments and changes and, and sort of sours through that process. And it results in this really, really cool uh, cherry flavor. So, yeah. It's pretty interesting how when you do age beer in that, just like the wood that you use, totally different experience mm-hmm. depending what you do. Just like the amount of variety when you're, when you're producing beer. Like, it's just ridiculous. Mm-hmm. You make one little change, like you change the temperature, I guess, or, you know, a different piece of wood, and you just got a totally different experience. Yeah, exactly. I mean, a lot of times it's the microorganisms in, in play in the beer, so the yeast, and then, and then in these cases with, with beers that have a sour component too, then it's bacteria as well as yeast that's in the mix. And the, the brewers, you know, uh, these expert brewers in Belgium that have did, been doing it for 100 years or longer have developed their own ways of managing those microorganisms, even without necessarily understanding the science of it in great depth. Um, nowadays, of course, they're much more, I'm sure, using microscopes and chemical tests and all the rest of it. But um, they, they figured out ways to, to come up with these balanced flavors just uh, through their trial and error, basically, and, and did a really fantastic job of it, I think. 100%. Yeah, it was interesting. I mean, this isn't beer, but when I was in Japan, I went to a couple of sake um, breweries and like the way they were doing stuff there was super interesting. One of them, you swear, was a science lab. Like, like it was, it was really like, for me, it was kind of weird, but it was really cool because it was super scientific. It was all this closed rooms with a window you'd look in, kind of like a hospital almost. Mm. And then the other one we went to, totally different thing. It'd be kind of what you would think of when you think of like a, a, a brewery or a distillery. I don't know what sake, which, which term that represents, but it's just cool how different people doing different stuff, like two totally different approaches, but they're making the same class of thing. Yeah. So how did you, how did you come upon this, uh, this beer? Oh, I think I had it for the first time about six, seven years ago, maybe even longer. I think it might've been before I moved over from Vancouver. So yeah, it might've been before, before then. So 2012 or 2011 at a, a Belgian beer showcase event at Vancouver craft beer week, uh, which was held at beer craft, the restaurant, the Belgian restaurant in Vancouver. And, um, you know, I tasted a whole bunch of Belgian beers there that I'd never had before. And I remember this one really stood out The you know, I remember the, the logo because it's got this, you know, beautiful kind of Flemish, uh, I, I assume it's a real painting of a, uh, of this Duchesse de Burgoyne. And if you've read, I've, I've Googled her history and apparently she was quite a, quite a uh, famous and prominent young duchess who was highly sought after, you know, by many suitors. And then, um, unfortunately, died quite young in a in a ride after while well, riding a horse. She had an accident and died when she was probably like twenty five or something. Oh, uh, so this is you know they named this beer after her. But um, yeah, and a few other breweries make beers like this 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 Flemish red ale style. You can get another one from Belgium uh, here in town. Vessel carries it called Rodenbach, which is in cans actually a tall can, and it's very similar. I think I prefer this one. It's a little better in my opinion, but Rodenbach is very good too. And then. Um, some BC breweries make them too. Uh, the the best one is probably from Strange Fellows Brewing in Vancouver, and they make a that's uh, called Reynard. It's like the fox, you know, the the name French name for a fox, I guess. And it's um, got uh, it's just beautiful, same kind of flavor, and it's made authentically. Uh, Ian Hill, the brewmaster there, uses the big giant fooders and does everything the authentic way, and um, it's it's delicious. It comes in the big big bottles though, so you have to definitely share that one. Commit. It's a commitment. <laughs> I love some of the names of the different breweries mm-hmm. in the province. Yeah, they're fun. Like also, the, the labeling is and yeah, just the, labeling. the design and, and, and everything. It's it's such a visual art as well as a 
texture and flavor, it's also visual as well. Yeah, that's really what fun. gets me is the, uh, like the packaging. Yeah. Because like I don't really know beer that well. Um, I do know what I like. And, and this one, I, I certainly do like this. Yeah. But it's amazing how like after the cookie sort of settled down and then I had the rest of the beer here, radically different taste than when I had the, the, like the cookie, which I, I feel like the cookie made it a lot more sweet and sort of toned it down. But then it, for me, it, um, I don't know. It just felt more full without the cookie, I guess. And like, it was like, it was like deeper. Yeah. I think that balsamic vinegar note, although not vinegary, but that balsamic note to it, I think gets tempered a bit by that cookie because that cookie's got some sweetness to it. It's tempering out that little acidic kind of hit to it. I also really loved when people just assume if we're going to do a sweet dish that it's going to be a dark stout beer, a chocolatey dark beer, which is a very easy to think of pairing. But I think people are so surprised when they have this type of beer and they're like, you're going to pair this with something sweet because it is very sour and, you know, I guess cherry. But it's just really fun to see how people are surprised by what what something sweet tasting will pair beer wise. It's great. But again, that's I think that's like just a, a form of um, experience because you know that that works because you've tried it at some point. Mm -hmm. So, you know, like that. And, and I run into some stuff like that where people tell me a pairing of something, some food. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And then they're like, no, just try it. So I'm like, okay, let's give it a shot. And quite often, like they are magical. Yeah. yeah I mean, I remember the first time we did a dessert pairing with this beer and we were both like, I don't know. I don't know if it's going to work. Yeah. It might be a total just like fail, but it was such a hit. And we were just like, yes, that's exactly what we hoped. And it was, it worked. And actually so, one uh, of my best memories of having a dish with flavors that I was like, how is this happening? Was an octopus, octopus dish with biscotti. And I was like, what? <laughs> Seafood in a cookie? Like if you lost your damn mind. And it had like a romesco sauce. And I was like, this is too many flavors. It was in Vancouver at this great restaurant called Pigeon. I still remember that dish. And it, the biscotti, I probably obviously didn't have like cranberries and a bunch of sugar in it. But the texture of it crumbled into it with a little bit of sweetness. It was it was still one of my favorite dishes I've ever tried. And the, now every time I think of biscotti, I'm like, pair it with some octopus. And you'll be surprised. Um, yeah, it's great. So I've, uh, you know, biscotti sometimes I'm like, oh, it's that thing that's been sitting next to the till at a coffee shop for nine years and I'm not diving into an old crusty cookie, but when it's made fresh and well, a biscotti can be a delight. I was even me be tempted to dip this cookie into this beer. Yeah, you should. I might. That I might already, be my I next already ate my whole, I already <laughs> did the whole pairing. It was so good. So you should do that for okay. sure. Doing it. It's happening. It is amazing too when people, um, do do stuff like that. Like one time at nowhere, I had a uh, spot prawn ceviche on a, on a macaron. And um, it was a very fantastic. Oh, we got a photo op going on here. Guys. There we go. Nice. Dipping the cookie in the beer. Love my, it. Uh, my British friend would be happy because they dip everything. And I, I, me, I'm like, eh, it's a soggy cookie. But this actually is working very well. So they do, they do the chocolate in the uh, ice cream, right? In the UK. Is that right? They do it somewhere where you get like an ice cream, but then there's a, there's a, uh, I think like a flake chocolate bar or something where they'll stick the flake chocolate bar in the ice cream. I've never heard of this, but when okay. I went to Australia, they take Tim Tams and they like soak them in tea and then the Tim Tam basically melts and you almost drink it like a through a straw. Either way, soggy <laughs> cookies are all the rage in some places, but for me, I'm like, uh, but this is very, I, I'm going to suggest this on December 4th. Definitely. That you to dip, dip your it. cookie. And there were some nuts in that I got in my last Pistachio. bite. Pistachio. Right? Yeah. So that was neat because the pistachio, I didn't notice them until my last bite. And then I must have had a big chunk of pistachio and it was kind of a really cool flavor combination. 
uh, I was really enjoying there. So the other thing about the beer and the, and the cookie is that, uh, you know, the acidity and the the, uh, the carbonation also does a thing. They, they work together. They kind of help cleanse your palate and clean your, you know, clean your tongue off as you're, uh, as you're drinking them. So it, it really does this nice job of kind of giving you a fresh start on your next bite and um, really kind of this complete sensation, right, when you finish the finish that off. So. Opposed to wine, which tends to coat your mouth. And then particularly if you're doing a red wine tasting, it's a little harder to kind of then move on from that because mm-hmm. now you've got this heavy coated red wine mouth and but yeah with beer because of the fizz it is kind of ripping away at your tongue kind of clearing it for the next next yeah. next one so it's a little easier to do a multi-course pairing when you're drinking beer yeah exactly built-in cleanser yeah. so for the for the um soaking there what do you think the threshold is of ex- like the optimal time to soak that cookie in that beer like where it doesn't get like you don't want it to fall apart if you do it too long. This is going to require soggy. much experimentation. I might have to have more beer and cookie. But personally, I just like a little, yeah. a quick dip. I like it to coat the cookie, but that the cookie still has a crunch. If you were to let it hang, again, in my opinion, you're going to get a soggy cookie. And even though some people love that, I do not. I want it to have a bit of bite. So. With just that little coating, you're getting the flavor of the beer on that cookie, and I'm not mad at that. And the delicious. flavor of the cookie in the beer, it looks like. You got a couple of crumbs now. I like that I still have some <laughs> left over, and you guys don't, and you're I longingly <laughs> looking at me while I slowly continue to eat my cookie and beer. Yeah, oh, there's a bit left I have in there. a tiny bit left in the bottle. I'm going to take it. I respect the uh, still wanting a little bit of crunch, though, because, mm-hmm. like, total, total side tangent for me. I still like Kraft Dinner. I like mm-hmm. macaroni and cheese, but it has to be cooked almost al dente for me where I don't want it like soggy and, and just like mushy. Mm-hmm. It turns into complete, I mean, it's complete nonsense to me. I think for some people, crafting is nonsense regardless. <laughs> but uh, I, I enjoy it when it's a little bit, there's something there, yeah. some structure. Yeah. I like and, your I like your honesty. You know that, that you're willing to admit to eating craft dinner okay, right? when you, you're here's a food something blogger actually, or a no, food I podcast. Say, All the secrets are out. Something that blew my mind is that I got the the packet of butter chicken uh, seasoning, craft dinner or craft. They put out a, six different flavors. Okay. And I got three of them and I tried the butter chicken one. And to me, it kicked it up like a hundred X my enjoyment mm. for some reason. I like, it didn't taste like butter chicken, but it was like a curry. And I don't know how it was so delicious, but I, I just, I loved it. Like I, and I only have one packet left, so I can only experience it one more time. My girlfriend hated it though. So I don't know. I Are don't they know. gone now? You can't get them anymore? Is that? I think it was a limited time oh, thing. Okay. Like they had buffalo hot wings. They had poutine. Wow. Um, there was a ghost pepper one. <laughs> cotton candy. We have the cotton candy one. Ghost pepper. Yeah. Cotton candy. Cotton candy. Cotton candy. Uh, and then there was something else. So I've got, I've got the, oh, jalapeno was the other one. So I've got the jalapeno and the cotton candy to try. Well, you can get a beer that is designed to taste like cotton candy um, at uh, Superflux Cabana, the new uh, Superflux restaurant that opened here last week. So, have you been there? Yeah, I was there. They did a preview thing, and I was lucky enough to. Oh, be I wasn't invited. able to make it. Yeah, they yeah. invited me. Yeah, well, I went. I went at four p.m. on Friday when they opened up. I was in line. Mm. It was great. Yeah, yeah. I got to go. It's a nice spot. I and they make great beer. beers, yeah. But they don't have the coconut one on tap, which Joe and I did on one of our virtual tastings last year. And I'm obsessed with that beer. Yeah, it's coconut like drinking IPA sunscreen. is fantastic. It's uh, like drinking sunscreen. They gave sunscreen. us a little gift. They gave us a gift bag and there was a coconut. Did, I know. Well, I went and bought them, but they don't have it on tap. You can't yeah. get a pint of it. It, <laughs> it tastes like you're drinking, in a good way, coconut sunscreen. I find if someone oh, says they put coconut in their beer, I'm like, where's the coconut? Like, it's a whiff. This one, it's just all coconut. It's so good. Anyways. I'm glad I you care, clarified that because drinking sunscreen didn't sound 
in in a good way. But now, now I understand. It's like super coconutty and tropical. Oh, the it's description like, is exactly correct, yeah. and it's crazy, but it tastes it's really pineapples good. Pineapples and coconuts. But that is a beer that will, um, you know, some people will absolutely hate it. Yeah. And then th- those of us who love it, love it. Love it. So I mean, it's, it's also quite yeah, it's strong. <laughs> I think. Yeah. Pretty sure that one. Most up of there. their beers. Are. I know that was troublesome. Yeah. Was like, oh, Side boy. question: Who in the city has nitrous beer? Oh, like nit- nit- nitrogen. Like on tap. You yeah. go and have a, like a nice yeah, nitrous a nitro beer. tap. Yeah. Uh, so, well, the, the Drake definitely has a nitro tap and they always have, you know, either a, generally a stout, but sometimes just a, a good red ale or something else like that. Um, I've occasionally had an IPA on nitro, which is kind of interesting too. It does some interesting things. Who else? I think, I think Herald Street might have one at their uh, location at Herald Street Brewworks at their brewery tap room. Pretty sure they might. The only place I've had it was up in Nanaimo. Oh, right next door. What are we talking about? Refuge Tap Room, right next door to where we're doing oh, this they got recording. It right there? They've got a nitro tap. They usually have a Driftwood Blackstone Porter on there, and it's fantastic. Okay. I think when we're done, Dallas, we're going over there for a beer. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, because uh, up in, uh, what's the place in Nanaimo? I think it was White Sails. Yeah, White Sails. And they, they have a red, it's red something, but it, it was fantastic. Mm-hmm. But you yeah, can they only... have a red ale, right? I think so. I think so. Yeah. 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 Really, I, I love it. Every time I go up there, my buddy wants me to go and that's sort of his time away from the family and just sort of like just relax. Oh yeah, no, the nitro, like I, I, uh, on my, it was the night before my birthday and I happened to be walking by here and I was like, I'm going to reward myself an early birthday present to get a Driftwood Blackstone Porter on nitro at Refuge. Oh, so good. That's awesome. Yeah. And Driftwood, they, they just opened up a new spot, right? Yes, they did. So Driftwood Brewery moved over to a new location in Esquimalt uh, earlier this year, but they didn't have uh, their tap room open, but they just opened it. Um, and uh, I was there for that as well, and it's great. Uh, they've got um, Dumpling Drop, the great local uh, dumpling restaurant, is like their resident kitchen there. Uh, really? So, yeah. I didn't so, realize that. Shout out yeah, to Tarn. Yeah, it's yeah, really good. I did an episode with yeah, her. second location is there. Again, yeah. adding some food component to beer. Is That's perfect. Cheese. And then they have, they have their beers on top, but they also had like a unique beer that they haven't packaged yet, you know, or anywhere else, a, a sati, a Finnish sati. And that was really cool to taste that there. So kind of going back to Driftwood's roots, which is they were really the innovator for a long time. And then they, you know, they grew into the brewery that makes a lot of fat tug, basically. I mean, they make good beers, but they weren't really necessarily making innovative you know single batch brews so much anymore so but the tasting room should allow them to do that which is very exciting yeah 100 that's awesome yeah mm-hmm. i had no idea about dumpling drop being there mm-hmm. that's going to present for some uh pretty cool pairings i think totally yes and and the funny thing is apparently esquimalt doesn't really have any pubs now so like driftwood's uh, as having a full liquor license there basically is like kind of like the only local there is now in esquimalt that's cool yeah I would love that if that was my local. Yeah, I know. It'd be great. Yeah. And so uh, I'm going to step it back a little bit here. How did you two get to know each other? Through Vessel. I worked at Vessel Liquor for quite some time. And uh, Joe would come in and I just buy beer, but also uh, do events up in the classroom that's upstairs. And I can't, either you were talking about it or maybe I I owned my food tour at the the time. I was just working there kind of part-time as a side gig, side hustle. And... uh, can't remember how it came about, but essentially you were talking about maybe doing a chocolate pairing with some beer. And did yeah. I know any chocolate? Like, where could I get some good chocolate? Right. And I said, oh, I've done an event with Cyrene, um, Taylor's company. Uh, let me connect you guys. And so did, and then got invited to the event. Very lovely. And uh, that was the first time also I'd really tried sweet with beer. And that was a super fun event because it was all chocolate. 
And I, I do think that blew some minds because we were trying sour beers and IPAs with chocolate, which I think I, I just was like, how is that going to work? And it was so good. So that I, after that, we kind of, I don't know, saw each other at events and, and things like that. And then obviously during COVID, I think I just, I can't remember how we reached out over COVID. Yeah, I don't remember how it came about either, but we, yeah. <laughs> we just started talking about the idea of we should, we should team up and do, do some food and beer events. And uh, that's funny. I had forgotten that it was about the chocolate and beer one. I just remembered that you're at Vessel and that, you know, you come to my classes and help out, you know, help pour the beers and things like that. I forgot that it was specifically, you're right, it totally was that. And that's cool because that obviously comes right back around to this cookie and beer thing now, you know, the, the chocolate and beer pairings. Because, yeah, we were always, Taylor and I were always like, this is crazy that this works so well. Let's try something even crazier next year. Like let's try a, you know, a, a really strong IPA with this one, or let's try a sour beer with this or whatever. Right. And, yeah. I think that yeah. really opened both, all of our eyes to yeah. like, wow, there's a lot of unlocked potential here for things that we had no idea if you paired them together, they just taste so good and different. And that for sure was a turning point for me. I, I actually still have that sheet of paper with all my notes on it. Uh, Cause I was just so like, this is so good. Like circling like this IPA and this dark chocolate and his chocolate is just so incredible in it. Yeah. Was, it was a big, awesome event that really, yeah. changed my mind. And I can't, yeah, I don't actually remember how it happened over COVID. I think we ran into each other one day and I was just floated the idea of a virtual tasting. Cause actually quite a bit of food tour companies globally who I follow were pivoting because in all honesty, running a food tour company over COVID is impossible. So a lot of them had either gone this sort of boxed tour sort of route. And then I know, I knew there was a company in San Francisco that was doing more virtual cocktail classes. I hadn't really seen a beer one. Um, and I just knew that the beer here would be great. And Vessel's been really great as a partner as well. We often get our beers from there and, uh, yeah, so that's, and then I think we just went from there, but yeah. yeah. So okay. this, would this have happened without, if it wasn't for COVID? No, it wouldn't have happened. Yeah, I don't think so. No, not I mean, virtually. Maybe we might have teamed up to do something in the classroom up at Vessel, but you know, it's not that big a room. You can't do many. You can't have a lot of people in there. So the virtual thing's better for that, right? We can, we can get, we can. We've had like, have we had more than thirty? Sometimes we've had twenty between twenty and thirty. Rarely people. over thirty. Yeah, it's usually pretty intimate. You know, around. But we've been able to get a bigger group than we could handle in a small room, yes. and and it works really well. You know, it's a great vibe, and it's a great you know, fun atmosphere and yeah, works really well. And there's no cap on the amount of people, right? No. Being virtual. Technically, no. Uh, we, I, we've we never had a massive group. Um, and I just, I, I, I like the intimacy of it. I know it's virtual, so there's that option not to, but I, I do like that beca because we're all craving, you know, this sort of intimacy with other humans <laughs> because we can't go to Victoria Craft Beer Week or we can't go to fun tasting events, culinary, any of these. I'm desperately missing these opportunities to, to drink and eat with strangers in all honesty and, and, you know, hear experts and whatever is the case and try new things. So having this virtual event option, um, while maybe not quite the same, it, it is pretty fun. And you, you do get that intimacy of being with people in a room, but you're at home and you're comfy. So in all honesty, I've, I've actually done a few of them outside of not beer and food, but I've done a few global Airbnb launched a version of experiences that you could do, um, virtually and I, I've really enjoyed them and I've really thought they were a neat way, but no, I doubt we would have done this probably wouldn't even cross my mind during pre COVID days. I, I, I don't know if we'll continue to do them. We kind of said we weren't going to do it. And then, you know, vaccine passports came in and complications came in and, and then more closures came in. And then I was like, well, you know, I don't think there's, I still think there is a desire for people to do things virtually. And I do think that it's still fun, regardless if you can go out, it's still a fun event to do 
because you get to sit in your pajamas and uh, hang out. I don't know. It's not a bad, bad thing. Most people aren't actually in their pajamas. I know. I keep using that as an example. <laughs> They're not. I what mean, percentage of people have their cameras on? 95. Most, yeah, most of them. Yeah, so we have, more. Most people are a good sport. Yeah. Yeah, it's better than, you know, I've done a lot of other, not, not events, but meetings and things like that with bigger groups and everybody has their cameras off and nobody's talking and it's much more social. It's definitely more like you're hanging out together. Yeah, it's really And we good. encourage people to take off their microphones unless they're really chatting among their friends. But uh, yeah, I, we want I want to hear and see reactions and certainly I can see them, but it, it is really fun to see people's sort of like, whoa, or like you know, their, their facial expressions is really fun. And then, yeah, we do a poll at the end to find out really what, what they thought of everything. But, um, that's why it's nice to have it a bit more smaller groups. Cause if there was, you know, 50 people on there, maybe we would probably wouldn't get that. And have you had any super strong reactions? Yeah. I think like where so. you you see somebody and you're like, Whoa, you just like, they just got impacted. Like no one's flipped a table or anything, but there certainly is people that are like thumbs up, like crazy nodding, writing in the chats. Like, this is amazing. Yeah. I, I've definitely had people write me back and be like, we've gone back and gotten either a dish or a beer for sure. In fact, someone posted on social media the other day that they'd gone to Love Shack Libations and they tagged me in it at least and said, you know, I would never have known about this place if it wasn't for you guys. Thank you so much. We're here in Qualicum and we found this awesome brewery. So things like that is just rad and, and it's super fun to be able to be a part of someone's food experience that way. And I mean, I want to be told what's awesome and good. And so if someone else, yeah, t- tells me, I'm like, sweet. So I'll, I'll share the love for sure. Yeah. I'm always stuck. There almost always seems to be someone who says something like, you know, I never drink IPAs, but this IPA you gave me, like I it's opened my eyes or, you know, I don't like sour beer, but this sour beer, holy cow, it's amazing, you know? Uh, and so, and I have that happen at my beer tastings all the time and, and even more so with the food because you get these amazing flavor combinations. But I think it's just people don't necessarily go out of their comfort zones. And then you, yeah. you try an event like this and you try something you wouldn't have tried normally. And it's like, it just opens your mind and, and it's really exciting. People get really excited about it. Yeah. Well, when you can change somebody's mind about something, because I think like, you, like you're saying, like for me, I love sours. But I could see like, I mean, the range of sours, it's, it's a huge range, mm-hmm. right? So if you just write that whole thing off, you probably are going to write something off that you would have liked. Yeah. So that's why I think it's cool that you can come in with your expertise and be like, this is a really, a really good one. Um, and just be like, here, try it. And for food, I think, again, I, I really do try to find hole in the wall places or, or like places that have zero social media or places that just are not on people's maybe thoughts, you know, and not that I'm going to shed the light, but I, I, it is a fun way to show people the culinary scene here that isn't the obvious one. And there is a ton of that here. There's a lot of, I mean, where we are right now at Jonathan's place at Bull and Sons, you know, a lot of people do know about him, but there's still a big, I mean, he's barely on social media. You know, you got to come in here to see it. And when people do, they're like, I had no idea this was here. And it's just something you can put in your back pocket and return to now that you know of. And, you know, half the battle is you walk by these doors constantly and you're like, I don't know. I don't know if I want to go in there or I don't know if it's any good. I don't want to waste my hard-earned money on something that I won't like you know, I'm the same way you get in a food rut and you're comfortable with the places that you go to. So an event like this, um, having someone do the hard work for you, uh, it's nice to be able to try something new that, yeah, you now can be like, sweet. I know where that is. I know his story. I know what they do. I'm going to go in. I've tried this and I know I like it. I'm going to, I'm going to dive in. So that's always fun too. So definitely with beer, it's so fun to be opened your eyes to new, new, new styles of beer. And it's also really fun to find new foodie places that you can go and visit again. hundred percent. Uh, and like, and that's what I'm all about is pointing the sort of the light on, um, spots you might not think of. Like when you're talking about that, I'm thinking about Fresco One World Cafe. 
yes. down on uh, Yates Street there. Like the Cubano sandwich is ridiculous. It's 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 like it's my favorite or it's my personal favorite sandwich in the city is that one. But I mean, walking by, I would never go into there if I didn't know. Yeah, oh. for sure. but it's like it's putting a spotlight. And I appreciate Jonathan allowing us to use this space tonight because I've never been in here. Yeah. Yeah. I had no, I had no idea this was here. Exactly. And so. it, you can like smell the charcuterie when you walk in. He's got a smoker out back. He's a fourth generation charcuterist. And his great grandfather was a charcuterist and just going down the line. And this guy puts out incredible stuff. We actually use him quite a bit. We're obviously not using him this time around because the theme is cookies. Although I think he actually does make a cookie. <laughs> really? I think he bakes a cookie and he like probably puts bacon or I'm sure he uses some <laughs> type so. of lard. Like it's, it's like a salted chocolate chip cookie. I, I, yeah. Anyways, he, he's great. Yeah. Highly recommend him. Uh, Bull and Sons on Fort Street right next to conveniently Refuge Tap Room, which because Refuge Tap Room doesn't have a kitchen, it's tiny. You get charcuterie from here when you go to that place. So oh. it's, it's this awesome collaboration between two small businesses that saw this great opportunity to to work together. So, yeah. Best thing, he makes them scotch eggs. Yes. So you I go over there and you have scotch eggs that, that Jonathan made. And I that's I always have them when I'm at Refuge because they're fantastic and, and they're pretty hard to find. Like, you don't see scotch eggs on menus a lot. So. Yeah, no, I've only seen it at House of Botang. Mm-hmm. They had it, I think it was a feature or something. Um, I've had it there and I got it from Island... Uh, Island Meat and Seafood, the butcher shop. His daughter there makes, Lloyd's daughter makes uh, makes them. Okay. But yeah, it's not a thing you really see around here. But they're fantastic when you have a good one. Especially with the beer. 100%. Listen, listen I'm getting thirsty. I, I was going to say. Crack this next beer. Let's, yep. It's so experimental time. This is the experiment time. So the idea here is that we have this ginger cookie that Bonnie's already talked about, but maybe you want to bring it up uh, yeah, again. Yeah, again, it's from a company called Heartfelt Cookie Co. Let's get that sound of that beer. I don't want to spill it, so. Oh, there you go. Fair enough. Little spill. Little spill. Jonathan won't mind. So we don't have clean glasses, but I think it'll uh, it'll be okay. It's a survive. It's a salty sour goza, so it should have some strong-ish characters with ginger. So it's from Il Sauvage Brewing here in town, and it's called Jean Jambe. They do most of their beer names are French because they have that in their background. A goza with ginger, and a goza is a German sour style, slightly sour, not very sour with uh, salt in the mix as well. And the story goes that apparently the, I think it's the Gozala River or something. I've heard different versions, but one of the ideas is that the river had a bit of a, a salty salinity to it, whether it was the tidal, you know, tides from the ocean or whatever it was, or the local landscape. And so the brewers used that water and it had a natural salinity to it and they liked what it did to the, to the beer. That's what I've read and heard as one of the origin stories for Goza. Um, it's one of the few kind of sour beers that Germans make because they, they don't tend to do sour beers very much. There's also the Berliner Weiss, which is another sour style they make. But this is um, the, the other one. And it's really been picked up by North American craft brewers as a fun style to experiment with. Uh, here in BC, they make them quite not super sour, this sort of slightly tart. Um, I've had them elsewhere in the States when they've just been crazy over the top sour. So everybody has their own different idea of what a goza is. But this one's a ginger infused one. So we were intrigued to see how it would work in conjunction with this cookie. So we'll give it a taste right now and uh, we'll see. So let's all taste the beer. And what did you think? You already tasted it. Uh, I just took a baby taste right uh, there. I can definitely smell the ginger as I was drinking it. I didn't really smell it much ahead of time. I should have. That's delicious. That's really light. Yeah. I mean, that to me almost tastes like kombucha. Mm-hmm. This one. I, and I got excited when I saw the can because I love Il Sauvage. I love, I mean, sours are my thing, but this is, that's dangerous. You could just drink like a hundred yeah. of these things. 
yeah, so there, it's definitely salty. You get the salty character, and the ginger is is definitely um, in there. Um, spiciness is coming through a little bit there. So I, I'm already thinking ginger cookie when I'm drinking this. So that's kind of interesting. It's very nice. I have already dipped my toe into the cookie, and so when we, we don't have the cookies, Bonnie. Oh shoot! I'm hoarding them. <laughs> <am I? laughs> We're just being polite over here and like wondering when we get so, a cookie. So, either way, I had to split a cookie. So Joe, if you want to take a half, and oh, uh, that's okay. I'll, I'll take the half. Right. I'm not going to eat a whole cookie. You're not sure, going sure. to? Oh, I would have taken it then. Here you yeah. go. Thanks. <laughs> uh, so the cookie itself should be a little bit spicy. Um, she puts a little cayenne in there. Uh, I love uh, sweet with spicy. I love chocolate with uh, spice in it as well. So this, uh, obviously, a ginger already has some heat to it. So I like that she's added some heat to it. And, uh, of course, in these cold months with a deluge of rain, it's nice to have some warmth uh, This going cookie down. is insane. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good cookie. It's a really buttery cookie too. Like ginger ginger cookies are often kind of hard and crunchy, right? But this is like a really nice chewy one too. Well, if you look in the middle there, yeah. if you look yeah. in the middle, yeah. she's got a whole bunch of flavor going on. It's actually quite spicy. I and like not in a I can't eat this way, but it, it it's sometimes when people are like, I put a pinch of cayenne, you're like, eh. It's it's nice and spicy. And I think this beer, because it's got a little salt in it and it is light, like you said, um, it actually does go well with this cookie a lot. But curious i think the ginger and ginger is is nailing it i'm liking it i like it a lot i think they just they they combine like perfectly because in neither aspect are you getting too much ginger like you get that little bit of spice from the cookie and and it just they they pair very nicely like not i don't really feel like one is necessarily overpowering the 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 spice does come through i think the most but um it kind of accentuates the cookie because I mean, the beer's the beer is light to begin with, right? Yeah. So it just it kind of adds just that little extra oomph to it. And then I, and then I like what the salt does. The salt kind of tucks in there too, and and uh, yeah, it just opens things up a bit. It's nice. I like it. I like this a lot. I yeah. think this is a good winner. Mm-hmm. So that's our process right there, Dallas. Yep, this is it. You've witnessed it. Scientific. The scientific <laughs> success story right there. I love it. <laughs> so with this, would you would you finish with this one as like a nice mm. light ending, or would you start with it? Or in the middle, I guess. Great question. Like, I, don't, well, I don't think it's a finishing one. Personally. I don't think it's a finishing well, one. Well, knowing, knowing the potential other beers we're talking about, they're pretty big beers. So, because my, my like my I'm eating with my or talking with my mouthful now, but like that spice, it's going to take a little bit for that to die down. Because you're saying with the other beer, how it sort of cleanses and wipes away, like that spice is sort of sticking with me a little bit. It's lingering for sure. So if you start with this, does that factor in? Yeah, that would be an issue. To me, the the, the saltiness and the carbonation is and, and the acidity of this beer is is doing a pretty good job of cleansing my palate. So we'll see. I mean, I, I'm only eating half a cookie. I'm like you, so that might be part of that. <laughs> oh, no, I, I actually haven't had enough yeah. of the beer yet, so that could be it too. I personally would put this in maybe in the middle. Uh, yeah, I, I, we 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 will look at the beer, and sometimes we look at sort of like wine, the percentage, and like where we're going with that beer journey. I mean, the cookies, there's no real wrong way to eat these cookies in order. I don't really think there's any good or bad order for a cookie. But uh, for the beers, there might be a good or bad order. It will depend on what we finalize those last few beers. But sometimes it's just having fun, too. I mean, in all honesty, sometimes we're like, I don't know, just eat and drink and be merry. (laughs) This will likely be the lightest beer of the evening, it's true. So it might be a good starter for that reason. But but the the spiciness is a a concern. So like light beer potentially strongest cookie like so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i don't know 
call. But again, at the end, at the end of the day, though, like I was saying earlier before we started, like I don't know, you just you go with it, right? Mm -hmm. People have a good time no matter what, Mm -hmm. as long as you're not doing something like totally crazy that doesn't make sense. Then it's just people have a good time. And I don't think it's a palate wrecker. I don't think it is. It's uh, like mine is. I'm totally calm now after you know, half a cookie and half my beer or half my glass of beer. So I'm not too worried about it. Um, sometimes, you know, you have those big hoppy IPAs that can just really, really nuke your palate. And then you're, you don't want to start off with something like that. That's for sure. Both of these are delicious. Yeah. Like each of these individually, I could just, I could wreck a whole bunch of these, but then in the combination, yeah, forget about it. It's funny. Il Sauvage has another Goza their yuzu goza which i love and so i don't think i've ever tried this one because i think i've always been when i when i think of their goza i just go for that one uh but this is this is great i like this one too a lot and i'm not like i i I like ginger but i like it savory like i love ginger a lot of ginger in a curry i love it you know throw that ginger in in most things savory but i actually don't love gingerbread i would of all the cookies, a ginger cookie would be the one I would probably turn down the most, but I'm actually really enjoying this. And I think it's because the beer mm-hmm. is just pairing so nicely and it's, yeah, it's just spicy and refreshing and it's not sickly sweet. Or maybe I've just had too much sweet ginger. That's a good cookie though. I like that cookie. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. Whatever she's got going on in the middle yeah, there. It's like dense. It's, it's like a different color. I'll have to yeah, dive a bit more into what she did here. There's a lot of structure in this cookie mm-hmm. where the, I mean, the edge on the outside is more, um, it's a little bit crunchier, mm-hmm. but in the middle, you got whatever that layer is right there. It's almost like it's undercooked, but it's not. It's, no, it's not. It's good, but it's doughy. Like it's almost wet dough. It's really good. So I'm actually stoked about these cookies because I've been meaning to try mm-hmm. her stuff. Um, all the all the ones you mentioned here, I've been meaning to try all of it and I haven't. So this is like exciting for me. And I, uh, Joe, you mentioned uh, yuzu, which is like one of my favorite things ever. Mm. Anytime I see any drink with yuzu in it, like I'm down. Especially if it's going to be like a sour or something. Well, if you haven't tried theirs, it's no. fantastic. It was one of the first um, first beers they made uh, when they had first opened. I remember doing a guest spot on the radio. It was right before, I guess it was right before Victoria Beer Week. Otherwise, why would I have been on the radio? Because um, I did a spot on the Zone ninety one point three, the Zone, and uh, and I remember we we were in the in the you know with the DJs with uh, Paul and Jenny and and. I poured out the beers and I handed it to them and I was talking and talking and then I took a sip in mid-sentence and I literally, I turned to them and I just went, holy, and I almost swore live on the radio because it was just such a cool taste and such a unique taste and I really liked it a lot. Um, so that was, and that was totally authentic. Like I hadn't even tasted it before because they were a brand new brewery, right? <laughs> I love the reaction. Yeah. Yeah, great. I had something at Il Sauvage once and I forget what it was. I feel it was like a, a, a blackberry cinnamon or it was something that didn't sound like it was going to be great, but it was like mind blowing. Mm-hmm. Like it was the one out of the little um, the, the the flight that we did. It was the one that I thought was going to not make sense, and it ended up being the best one by far. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, if you're a sour beer fan, you should be going there all the time. They make fantastic beers. I've said fantastic too many times. Can you, can you <laughs> I edit said that? Delicious. Out? No, we're going to leave it. I've said delicious like ten times. I have to learn not to do that. Um, but they make really good beers, and the uh, the brew, brewmaster there, Stefan Turcotte, is a uh, he's what's called a, an advanced Cicerone. There's a Cicerone training program for for beer people, and it's got several levels. Uh, but he's like one of the highest levels, and he's has to understand food pairing, especially as a big part of that. So he really knows his stuff. I've done some food events with him too at the brewery, and he is just so smart and 
what he comes up with, the combinations are amazing. So, um, but yeah, his beers, they're always, you know, when you talk about your, it sounds like a beer that's not going to work, a combination that's not going to work. Like I've never, I've, I don't think I've ever gone wrong tasting one of his beers, right? We did his uh, pumpkin sour yes. on our last event. Uh, we did a Ooh. fall one in October, our last virtual one. And uh, again, I, Originally with Joe, I was like, let's do a fall one and call it everything but pumpkin spice. And let's like not put a pumpkin spice on there just to be different. And then sure enough, we're like, okay, well, let's put one pumpkin on there. And I was like, oh, great. But that was my favorite beer of the night. And it was so good. I I, We tend to always throw at least one Il Sauvage in our tastings just because they are such well, you an can't incredible. can't go wrong. Yeah. It, it, they, they, they work so well with food pairings too. I mean, because he always has so many interesting flavors going on in his beers and you know you can find something on the menu yeah the pumpkin beer he makes he doesn't want to make a pumpkin beer either he wouldn't said he would never make a pumpkin beer except the last year um one of the guys at the drake uh wanted to do a, a collaboration beer with him uh and and proposed doing a pumpkin beer and he was like i don't think so but let's make it a pumpkin sour maybe we'll do that and they just did a small batch but it was a big hit and so this year they actually did it as a proper release and and um yeah we 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 included it in our in our autumn pairings and it was really good it was it was a i almost said fantastic it was a really good <laughs> really successful deer and really successful pairing what did we pair it we with we paired it with the cake the the um black, the forest, black cake. forest cake yeah, yeah yeah so that's how you finished off the evening yeah because yeah. the pumpkin again all, didn't really taste like pumpkin so no. much it, it had more of almost like a cherry, cherry flavor in there too so it has to do with the sour right the souring process yeah it was really neat yeah the sours is they're just my jam so I would almost say it sounds like if you go there and you see something that sounds like it's going to be insane, like it does, it won't work. That's the one to get. Yeah, I wouldn't. I I wouldn't disagree. I think, I think you'd be really safe with that. But challenge yourself, and you and you you you'll be surprised how good it is. Yeah. So like with the last event, what were the different food items that you had when you were pairing? Because we wanted to have a bit of a Oktoberfest sort of fall-ish theme, we did a pretzel uh, from the bikery, which I'm using uh, Marcus again. Just, I like what he does, and he puts out some really cool stuff. Um, I still haven't been to his new location. Ah, I need to stop by. Oh, man, you do. Because A, he's rad. Marcus is just a nice guy. Um, he's super nice. Such a nice dude. I mean, if this is important to you, it's the only kosher bakery. Uh, no, go ahead. I've eaten. I've eaten a few of them. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't bring enough for myself, but it's because I, he gave me some to try and I ate all of them. I was going to try and save one and I didn't. <laughs> and then I went back today. I was like, I need more. <laughs> uh, mostly because I've never had this cookie before. Um, and I'm going to pronounce it horribly. I apologize. We've already looked it up. Ruggalak. 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 It's a, a Jewish uh, dessert that's often consumed uh, during the holidays. So either way, Marcus is rad. We did his pretzel. He also makes an incredible bagel. Like, I'm a bit of a bagel nerd, and his are great. Uh, so I really like Marcus. We've used him a few times on our pairings. Um, we also did some pierogies from Salt, uh, which were fabulous. We did um, from Jonathan. He did a German sausage for us and a really great cheese, uh, like a raclette, a raclette cheese, uh, which was rad. And then lastly, we did the German uh, cake, uh, Black Forest cake from the Dutch bakery. Mm-hmm. So those were awesome. And then beer-wise, um, gosh, I should put my notes in front of me. What did we dive into? We definitely did the Il Sauvage pumpkin. We, we had, had the, the uh, Oktoberfest beer from yep. Bom- Bomber because they make a really good Oktoberfest uh, Meritzen style. We did the lager from Land and Sea Brewing up in uh, Comox Valley, which was really hard to get down here. Their uh, October lager. And I want to say there was a Pilsner in there for sure. Oh, you know what? Maybe that's what it was. Maybe we did the... Um, 
because I wouldn't have doubled up on the on the Oktoberfest. So I bet you we had the bomber harvest pilsner, which we is did. the rye the rye pilsner they do at this time of year. Yeah, that's what it was. Something from category the, twelve. Yeah, the fresh hop. Yeah, that was it. Yeah, category the fresh hop from category twelve this year was fun. It's really good. Uh, <laughs> There's too many there. beers out there. I mm-hmm. know. Well, Joe and I were just on a panel uh, about. What, what we considered our top 20 Vancouver Island beers of all time. Yeah, that was with Joe, right? Yeah, Joe Perkins. Yeah. That and, was uh, fun. Check. And we weren't allowed to double up. So if someone took your beer, you had to have a backup. So Yeah, thankfully. I've done a few of those episodes. Yeah, they're It's always, there was one where I knew like something was going to get chosen. And I'm like, I have to choose one of these two things. And sure enough, I chose one and I, I shouldn't have, I should have chose the other one. The one I chose, nobody would have taken. But I thought for sure it was going to go. And then I got wrecked. <laughs> yeah joe snuck in there and took my pick and then i just yeah it was a mess coming up with with uh so you had to come up with 20 of them five each five okay each, i see yeah so you're gonna five each like, yeah. had to have at least sort of 10 and so i was like oh boy anyway i mean there, it's not that hard to pick that many beers from the island but of all time i felt a little pressure to like not pick something obscure or seasonal are there um beers that you can't get in victoria like either on the island or in bc that you would love to see in the city Good call. Like, is there anything that really stands out that you're like, why is this not here? That's a tough question. I mean, there are there are some beers from smaller breweries, you know, over on the mainland or even up island. Well, yeah, you just mentioned um, Land and Sea Brewing, for instance. So Land and Sea Brewing is a really good brewery up in Comox. Um, big favorite of mine. Um, and they don't distribute their beers. They're very small. So, you know, I'd love to see their beers here in town more often, uh, so I didn't have to drive up there. But luckily, Bonnie goes up there a lot because her parents live up there. So, she, you know, she'll bring back beers from there sometimes, and we often try to include them in our beer and food tastings as well. Um, I used to say this about Twin City and Port Alberni, but they do distribute their beers here now, so that's that's great. Um, I'm trying to think outside BC. Is that what you asked, if it was outside of BC? Or? Just in, like, the mainland. Mm-hmm. Or, I mean, I mean, it could be outside BC. Yeah. Because like one thing that used to be really cool before COVID was the Far West Beer Fest. Mm-hmm. Did you ever go to that? Yeah, over in the over in Washington, right? Yeah, and yeah. swim. Yeah, I went to that once. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, it's just so for for people that haven't been to that, it was like eighty bucks or ninety bucks Canadian. You get the ferry down there. You take the um, the Black Ball ferry. You get the the um, the bus ride to the casino where it is. You get money to the casino. You get beer tickets, and you come back the same day, and it's like ninety bucks. Yeah, it was it was a great day. I had a blast with some buddies, and I think one of my friends even made a bunch of money at the casino. So it was almost like yeah, I did like a free day, right? And yeah, do they so. host like BC beers as well as Washington? No, nope, just Washington. And it was all like I, I think I think there were fifteen or twenty breweries there, and I knew like two of them, and so it was really cool. Yeah, it was nothing you can get here. To taste mm-hmm. beers that you just don't know anything about. Is there so. some new breweries opening up, Joe? That don't yet. Le- I know there's a bunch of new ones opening. Is there anything new, new, new that haven't that don't distribute at all? Oh, well, we, we just had one open up in Sydney called Beacon Brewing right. that is very small and doesn't distribute outside of the brewery. Uh, very new, like just a couple weeks old. Um, yeah, uh, you know, people should check them out. The beers are, are pretty, you know, early days still, and they'll, they'll, I'm sure they'll improve as they, as they grow, but uh, a great vibe, a good, nice, nice tasting room. Um, there's supposed to be another brewery opening up in um, Ladysmith soon, too. Uh, which is great because Ladysmith seems like a spot just like Sydney that should have should have had a very long time. Pair ago. it with the um, cinnamon, cinnamon buns. buns? Yeah. Yeah. Oh man, those cinnamon buns! I finally had those uh, last summer. Honestly, I'm not a cinnamon bun person, but seriously, those are good. Oh, I love cinnamon. Big buns. lineup at so the front. Good. It's like I just had the uh, the donuts in Sydney. 
I've, I'd never been in that bakery, the Sydney bakery. Oh, the one that's like a hundred and something years old. Yeah. <laughs> I've never been in there and I went in and of course, like it was insanely good. We, we worked last, with them. Yeah, yeah, we did. Last December we did their Christmas cake in oh, one really? of ours and it was, it was good. very good. In fact, did we pair that with this beer? Very likely. I thought we, we usually do it with like a black forest cake. Was yeah, that? Maybe not. Yeah. yeah. Either way, we did something from them. Yeah. Their donuts are great. Yeah. The other great bakery is the one um, right up by category 12 there. Yeah. Um, Tenoli's. Yeah. Oh, it's fantastic. Oh, I said it again. <laughs> Everybody, every time I say fantastic, have a drink. Have a drink. I won't be, be able to drive home. That's one thing about my uh, doing this and like the way I speak. I've learned things about myself through like watching the podcast when I, because I mean, I'm not really thinking about what I'm saying, right? Just naturally what I would say. And uh, yeah, it's always interesting to sort of see what, like, what am I doing when I'm not really aware of it? Yeah. Because the way the way we way we like perceive ourselves is different from how everybody else sees us, right? Mm-hmm. So that's that's uh, one cool aspect of doing this I, to me. I was a tour guide before I started off the Eaton Track with Rocky Mountaineer for many years, and they really invested in their guides. So they put us through public speaking training, and quite extensive public speaking training. And yeah, they would record you, and you, you tend to want to fill space with ums and ahs and, and words, and to just have a bl- an empty space sitting there. I really realize that it's it's okay to just have an empty space anyways regardless let's move on to another oh, what do you guys think of the regalac oh it's it's very tasty um i've had i've had that kind of cookie before and i thought this was a great example of it still thinking about our beer pairings we have to think about what to do with that, that i'm not going to try and pronounce it but that was that was fantastic i like like the doughiness of it and there was i think there was a little salt in there mm-hmm. it just it, that was that was very pleasant Ooh. and it's stuffed with like a hazelnut kind of yeah. filling hazelnut kind of chocolatey so yeah that's probably why i like it so yeah. much because i love hazelnut yeah it's like nice and light but i could definitely see that being like a like a holiday season type thing mm-hmm. yeah that's what it screams like to me yeah i would like i'd be loved to lay i would love to be laying in the snow making a snow angel while eating one of those things i don't know i would also like to dip that in a hot chocolate mm-hmm. that would be good oh 100 yeah all right well, and then we have a uh, shortbread, yeah, right? Let's kill that last cookie from Martha's. So a classic uh, company here in town. Again, like I said earlier, she's moving into the space in Fairfield, which is fabulous. Her and Jeff. And uh, we are trying a specific flavor of hers. Originally, I was going to go OG and just do straight up shortbread because that typically is my favorite. But then she mentioned she had an orange brandy one. And I was like, well, I got to do that for the holidays. To me, that's a really cool flavor. So... I can't have the holiday. I eat, I eat my weight in shortbread over the holidays. My mom makes like nine different kinds, different types. Um, so, so if you have nine it. different kinds, what are, like what are some of these well, kinds? She makes them with like a shoot. Some of them like don't have a flour. They use a oh, what's the not baking powder. The cornstarch. There's like a Scottish version of shortbread. There's the non-Scottish, you know, there's a couple of different versions. Some are denser than others. Some are lighter. There's definitely different varietals of shortbread. I'm exaggerating slightly, but she'll make a plain. I often like a lavender one, like one infused with lavender. This year we talked about maybe doing a rosemary, like more of a savory one. We dip some in chocolate. She does make the two kinds, one with, I believe it's cornstarch, which just is, and, and sh- you know, there's just different ways of making it. So my mom does put out a few. And so I was super jazzed uh, to put Martha's on here because she does sell around town. Um, and she's, I would say, the most known in-town person for making these beautiful shortbreads. And I actually haven't had the orange brandy one yet. She gave me very generously many different flavors for me to try. And I definitely had the lemon 
And I had a, a maple maybe one, but uh, this one I was saving for you guys. So let's dive on in. I think Yummy. we know what beer we want to pair with this. Yummy cookie. Wow. <laughs> when I, when I opened. My, my, it's already gone. Yeah. <laughs> well, you've got a couple more in front of you. Uh, well, have, have some more. When I, when I pulled it out of the package, I had this waft of orange mm. aroma, right? And it was like, wow. And then the, this is like imbued with orange. Yeah. Orange brandy. is. <laughs> one thing I used really to love is. was like the terry orange. Yeah. Yes. The Terry oranges, like the chocolate ones. 100%. I feel like now I think that the chocolate would be too much for me. But this is kind of giving me kind of that same feeling. Obviously, it's not chocolate, but I and the the, the texture of it and just the um, the crumbliness, if I can use that word. Yep. Um, cool. Like just it's, it's like spot on, I think. Yeah. Well, well, you know, you said that's perfect segue because yeah. the beer we want to pair this with, we're pretty sure we've we've uh, scouted it out as a, a beer from Town Type Brewing in um, Powell River. Uh, that is their chocolate orange stout. And they basically describe it as a Terry's, Terry's orange in a, in a glass. So that's going to crush. Yeah, I think yeah. it's going to be really good. Once I I've think- tasted this cookie, I'm like, yeah, that's going to be good. Yeah. As long as it's not like too much orange. No, I'm sure it'll be. But it's that's going to crush. Yeah, they, 100%. They're, you know, the brewmaster there is a Belgian guy and he's, he's very good about balancing his flavors. And he makes a really good stout. Their basic stout to start is an excellent stout. So I'm sure that... Um, I'm sure that he'll do a great job of it. I haven't even tasted that beer, but once I've tasted this cookie, I'm convinced it's going to be a really good pairing. There is, I want to say it's Whistler Brewing, like a pretty large brewery that puts out a a chocolate orange. It has that shape of it on the, and I, it's not my favorite brewery, but I actually really love that beer. And I just know from working at Vessel for many years that that beer sells out immediately and it goes fast and only put out a very limited amount and it is really good. So I am very excited because I I also thought that when I was given this cookie, I was like, ooh, if it tastes like, that that chocolate what a great beer pairing that would be and so i'm stoked that townsite's doing something like that so fingers crossed we'll get it in time to be able to do it for the event so that's our that's our plan that's our game plan yeah it should work though we have time we have a couple of weeks a couple of weeks yet to order it and get it in so i think you guys are definitely on point because like all all four of these cookies like bang on like, and you already have, it sounds like you have an idea for everything. So like, this is, this is going to be an amazing event for anyone, like even looking for something to do. You, you have to try this stuff because like the opportunity to try these four different beers and these, all these cookies, like in, in some ways, even with the cookies, you're saving people kind of a lot of effort because they're not having to go and, and like get these ones that aren't available necessarily in stores. And you're, you're giving people an opportunity to try stuff. So yeah. it's really cool. You're supporting different businesses that uh, otherwise might not be as reachable. Um, some are like the, like this one, but uh, yeah. Some are. And, and, you know, because we're doing a special event, the very kindly, they've done maybe a bit of a smaller portion. So rather than having a whole box, like sometimes they only come in a big, bigger portion size. So because of the event, they've, they're just giving us sort of an intro into it. So yeah. And they've all been really keen on, on joining the event. So that's also great for them to, to be able to have their product reach some new people perhaps. And yeah, I just think the novelty of pairing a cookie with a beer. I mean, obviously the play with Santa and, and the holidays is just fun. Um, but, but truly, as we've talked about over the last few minutes, uh, is just the, uh, opening your eyes to the possibilities of what you can do with a beer and a cookie, because you are going to eat some cookies over the holidays. And rather than you know, pairing it with a, a distilled spirit or potentially a wine, you, you can absolutely crack into a beer um, and have the exact same lovely experience of texture and mouthfeel and co- comparison, contrast flavors and all that complexity that you get in a wine tasting. You can do that with beer and you can absolutely do it with local beer. There's amazing complex local beers that go so well with food. I think it'll be a great introduction to the holiday season because it's uh, 
first Saturday, yeah. first Saturday in December. Yeah. Yeah. And so for a lot of people, it's kind of when they're going to start kicking off the, their, their Christmas cheering kind of thing. And, you know, I think it'd be good. I, I could see myself, you know, either getting together with some friends, either all together or even we just all are at our own places and getting together virtually and, and uh, having a fun time to kind of just kick off December and get ready for, you know, moving towards Christmas. Right. So I think it'll be a lot of fun. Yeah. I kind of want to, um, see if if you can wear an ugly sweater to the event i, oh, I almost yeah, kind of want to judge it I, I actually don't have an ugly christmas sweater but i will make one specifically for this event so i'm on i'm thinking of implementing i think this. we should do this i think we should do christmas themed garb yeah for sure. I, I agree because yeah by i try not to get to i i'm like really i really want to get christmasy right now but i'm trying to hold back because i know it's too early but i'm telling you december one i'm like bring on the music I'm busting out the cookies, so yeah. This why, is why is it too early right now? I don't know. I, I just it's feel like too early November. right now. I agree. Yeah. I was in Thrifty's Thrifty Foods earlier to, tonight, but... and they were playing really bad, like pop Christmas medleys already, and I was disturbed by it. It's too because it's just a long time, and it's then I get early. burnout too early, and then by like mid December, I'm like, oh. I see. But if I wait till December first to really let loose, then truly by December one, I'm like every craft market. Every holiday song, I'm going to watch Scrooge probably way too many times. And yeah, so then I really like let it go. But for now, I'm trying to maintain it in. I don't get too excited for Christmas. And then, yeah. Yeah, right now we have the eating part we, of it. We have the uh, the tree up at my house. What? So the tree's Already? up. But yeah, there's no music being played. I wouldn't, I don't okay. want to listen to the music. Does your tree die? Is it a live tree? Or is no, it no, 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 it's not. Okay. No. No, it was. Oh, I'm shout out, Shout out to the lady that gave it to us last year. She put it on like Facebook Marketplace for free. Amazing tree. Oh, cool. Um, but it's already up. So now that like that's the light in the place. So in that way, I actually really like it. Yeah. And we uh, we just got some candles from Bed Bath Body Works or whatever. Oh, do they smell like the tree? The one in Mayfair? No, these don't smell oh. like a tree. They had one. They were It was like a two-for-one sale. And the, the candles are like every single scent of the like Christmas time all in one. Ooh. So it's not just like, oh, it's not like peppermint or it's not tree or whatever. It's everything all in one. <laughs> I'm not normally really excited about a candle, but that thing's crazy. That is Mid-November. Mid-November. We're all in. That's crazy. Well, I'm launching a Christmassy themed tours, and I've been working on it now for weeks. So I've actually kind of been in this, and I've been humming, like, just out of instinct, kind of Christmassy. And friends have been like, are you singing Christmas music? I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm literally writing about Christmas right now. So it feels like it's... Yeah, so I've had to rein it in because I have also felt this urge. I actually was in Vancouver to go to a Christmas market. But I've also noticed like Fort Street's so pretty. They do light it up really nicely. And I have noticed that some of it is starting to come up. So it's happening. It's it's coming soon. So when is the like the Christmas tour? When does that start? On Friday, like a couple days. Oh. Yeah, pretty crazy. Yeah, you have no choice then. You have to get a little Christmassy. Totally, yeah. They uh, Absolutely. So actually the first stop on the tour is at our kiosk space. So... I wanted to do a sample there for people. And I was like, well, what can I do out of this kiosk space? I don't have, you know, I don't have a kitchen. Um, so I rented the uh, public market kitchen out of the Victoria Public Market. And my family, other than making a, a boatload of shortbread, we also do some, we call it nuts and bolts, but I think some people call it check party mix. It's like with the pretzels and the peanuts and the cereals and then the spice mix. So you, you promised you'd bring me some of I that. know, you know what? It's in my car. I'll get it before we leave. <laughs> I, I do have it. Um, anyway, so I rented that kitchen space to make this like party check mix. It's been in my family for 70 years. I don't know. Like this party mix came out in the thirties. So, um, so they get a little bag of that when they start the tour. And then there's like Christmassy themed, including here at uh, Jonathan's place. They do a little bite of cheese here, which of course 
you got to eat an insane amount of cheese over the holidays as well. And actually, one of our our pairing events was we don't well we do theme them. I lied. I was going to say we don't theme them, but um, was cheese and beer. That one was a good one too. Yeah, that was great. Yeah, that, that would be fun. awesome. Yeah, that was, was that the fun. first time we had that farmhouse cheddar from yeah. uh, Comox? No, it was the second time. Oh, because that is an amazing cheese. That really is. I love that cheese. So when you're coming up with a tour, like how long does it take you to come up with like? I mean, obviously, I guess they're related sort of, there's a theme on, on some level, right? How do you, like, how long does that take to come up with it? Uh, it's not that I, I could come up with a million tours. I think there's so much fun things you could do, themes, styles, neighborhoods, uh, just do tea. I, I did a tour. I started my company in Vancouver and one of the, my favorite tours I ever did was called Let's Get Baked and Buzzed. And it was like a bakery coffee tour. Like it's not <laughs> for lack of ideas of what I think would be fun to go around and eat in a day. It's more so there's a lot of moving parts because I got to deal with all these, you know, a bunch of restaurants and bakeries and all these all these restaurants that then have to come on board and what are they going to do and what time are people going to come in? And of course now with COVID it's how can they come in? And so the moving parts of that are usually pretty tricky. Um, but the beauty of owning a food tour company for 10 years is I, I know most of the restaurants in town now, right? Personally, and then they're great and they've always been really nice with me. And I, yeah, so I've, I've established some great relationships. So I tend to lean towards a lot of these great small businesses that I've worked with many times and say, Hey, I've got this crazy idea. What do you think? I want to do like a Christmassy theme tour. I know you guys do this sample. I think that'd be really fun. Um, and then it's just a matter of kind of making that work. But I think what's different nowadays is that because I launched a self-guided version of my food tours, there's no guide or scheduled start time. So it's actually a bit easier because people can just come off the street and come in and they don't have to make a schedule. And there's no sort of all this things that go along with owning a food tour company. And they just use a foodie passport to get the samples and they have weeks to use it. So it's a, a little less structured. So it actually makes it easier. So yeah, it's not for lack of ideas. I actually have to rein it in because I'm like, then I could do that. And then I could do a tour that has this in it. And <laughs> then I'm like, okay, that's, that's a lot. So that's cool that you have a self-guided thing though. So yeah. people can come into the kiosk at the, uh, it's the steamship terminal building, right? Yeah. We took over the old V to V space. Yeah. It <laughs> used they... to be the wax museum. Exactly. I love that wax museum. I, I, apparently a lot of those wax figures are still here. I guess the manager who was the manager there for 30 years, I did some research on it, took a lot of them home. He couldn't sell them. Oh, really? So he's got like a basement full of like creepy wax figures. One of the <laughs> creepiest experiences I've ever had was the wax museum at Niagara Falls. I don't know. Have you been to that? I grew up in Niagara, so yeah, I have been there. Yeah. And that 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 little town, that little area, this the tourist part, it was it was a very strange area. <laughs> oh, yeah, that, that that touristy part of Niagara Falls is crazy. It was uh, it was it felt to me like a broken down Las Vegas or something. Mm. Like it was all sort of like garbage was everywhere and it was just there was lots of people. It was really interesting. Mm. Um I didn't realize, though, that for the Americans there, they have to come over to Canada to really see the falls. Yeah, the American view is terrible. Yeah, yeah exactly. you can't see anything from over there. So there's like a border crossing on the bridge or something. Yeah. And then people have to come over. But yeah, the, so the um, the self-guided tours, though, I mean, to me, that that screams like 2021, where we're, we're not, we don't have to like watch something on TV at a certain time. You have Netflix, you watch it when you want to watch it. Totally. You consume when you want to consume it. I also just think technology caught up. I, I attended some virtual seminars during COVID because, yeah, it was like, what now? What? Like, is tourism going to come back? Like, there was a, less, a lot of doubt and there's a lot of like, how can I make this work? And luckily, there is there is the technology. It just wasn't great. You know, think of going to Europe and, you know, people would go to museums and listen to like those headphones, those crappy headphones and push play on their tape recorder looking thing. 
And, and it was that way for a long time, but luckily there is some new technology. Unfortunately, I had to go to South Africa to find the technology. There wasn't really a local company doing it, but that being said, it's like GPS triggered. So you still get the experience of a guide. You're still getting the stories and the history and all those things that you want out of a tour. Um, but you listen to it on your phone. And you can either skip it because you don't want to listen to it or you can save it for later and really go home and listen to it again. So there's that aspect, the technology caught up. And yeah, I just think people might be hesitant to join groups. And like you said, people want to get things on your own time and at their own pace. And maybe they don't want to do it all of it in a day because it's raining. So they'll stop it for a while and come back to it. And actually, one of the first self kind of guided things I did was a brewery tour in Seattle. And they had a passport and you could just go around. It had a great map on it. I even thought the passport was beautiful. I took it home. I still have it. It's like a fun souvenir. So I actually had a local artist design the passport for me. And yeah, I thought that was such a cool concept. I think you guys did something like that over the summer, as far as I know. Yeah, we, did a, we did a Victoria Ale Trail Brewery passport in May. Um, and the idea there was you had a whole month you could visit. Um, how many was it that we had to do? We didn't have you visit all of them because there's too many breweries, but... Can't Who remember. says it's too many? I was just about to say, it's too many. <laughs> too many. Too many to make people <laughs> visit sure legally, them all. So. Yeah. <laughs> but you visited X number of breweries. I think, I feel like it was six, something like that. And you collect the stamps at, at six different breweries and then you could hand it in to enter a draw to win some prizes at the end of the month. And yeah, we had lots of people who handed, who filled in like four or five passports over the course of the month. And um, the breweries loved it because it was kind of, you know, shoulder season. And obviously with not many tourists this year because of COVID, they weren't getting as many people in their tasting rooms. And it was a good way to I mean when we first did it it was still like tasting rooms are iffy so it was like a patio thing patio focused thing right um, but then we just yeah we did that here and it was really successful and now other places uh, like uh, we just set one up for North Vancouver through the BCL trail as well and I'm talking to Kelowna about them doing one maybe in like February or March so yeah it's a it's a really good uh, really good way to get especially to get locals to go out and visit their own breweries yeah I love that idea that was one thing that Mike and I had like years ago uh when mike was still doing this with me um like four years ago we were gonna do we wanted to do one like in rock bay because there's so many cool spots there and we, we had talked a couple places and we wanted to like have a little sort of map or whatever and you'd have to actually go to the place and get like a stamp and then at the end of the, the basically the same thing like a giveaway mm-hmm. it never materialized for us but i love that concept because you're actually getting people in the door yeah which is like when you're when you're helping um spread awareness that's the challenge because a lot of these places are doing a great job. It just does like, how do you get someone in the door? And people like a scavenger hunt. Like people like a, a journey. So oh, yeah. I think for locals to just be like, go visit those places. They'll be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But when you give them like a purpose and you give them a fun piece of paper to be like, now collect these stamps. You've got a chore to do. Like here's a task. And then, yeah, if there's a reward at the end, even better. But uh, I know Tourism Couch and did something like that too last over their shoulder season to go visit the Couch and Valley. So yeah, I basically took that concept and just put it in tour form with more commentary and stories. But uh, I also love that concept. I, I, as someone who likes to travel by themselves, sometimes joining a group tour isn't super on my radar. So yeah, if I can do it on my own time, by all means, I'm, I'm on board. So yeah. Yeah, I was when I did some traveling and I was in uh, Montreal, I did a, there was, there was this one thing where they would light up the city at nighttime, where it was like a city in Montreal tour, where it's just up to you to use your phone and go and do a self-guided thing. So I walked around Montreal one night doing, going on. Oh, yeah, I remember that too. I remember that we did a little bit of that when I was there with my wife. Like yeah, five, it's like, I think you there. had to go and like stand in a certain spot Yeah, and it would like right. activate or something. Yeah. Um, that was cool. But then on the same trip, I did my first ever food tours on that trip where I just like, cause I didn't know anybody. I was homesick and I didn't, so I wanted to be around people a little bit. So I booked that and it was very, it's very cool. 
Because like a food tour, just, just to be able to leverage someone's expertise or their knowledge and, and sort of get like, here's six places and here's the story behind them. Like that's huge. Yeah, especially if you're traveling because, I mean, you're going to go eat anyways. So yeah. why not have a local curate food for you at multiple places and tell you their story and their history? Maybe you get to meet them. And yeah, absolutely. I, yeah, I mean, I've been doing this now for 10 years, but I had joined a food tour for the first time not intentionally and kind of got on it and was like, this is crazy. What is this? And then was like, that's really fun way to see a city. So now of course I always do a food tour when I travel and I tend to do it right out the gate because chances are the guide's going to have an insane amount of recommendations, um, for places to go afterwards. And they always do. And it's a great way to get the lay of the land, get the lay of the restaurant scene, get some insider tips. I mean, if you're into food at all, highly suggest a food or a brewery tour because I mean, that's just a truly a great way to, to experience a city. Like, I mean, it's a little hard to pinpoint what makes Victoria's food culture different than Vancouver's, but there is a difference and it's, it's a great way to get to know a city through its food. Obviously there are very obvious choices like in Italy or France, you know, those places, their food culture is such an ingrained part of their culture. But I would also argue Victoria has a food culture and it's different than other cities. So what a way to go and see it all. How would you say it's different? So the food, how is it different? The beer, how is it different? Like the island versus like the mainland? I think it's more casual. Um, I think it's more, I don't know about friendly, but I, I do think the small business scene here is incredible. I think there are, it's just packed. I and mean, yes, we have some chains downtown, but I think it is predominantly small little businesses. I mean, we're on the corner of Fort and Blanchard and I could probably list off 15 small businesses within this block of little restaurants that are about the size of this place. They're tiny. So I think there's this intimacy and small kind of, you're going to come in and you're going to meet the owner. There's a big farm to table push in Victoria always has been. I know that word gets thrown around all the time now and everyone has one, but truly Victoria does it on a scale that's to a point that's pretty crazy um, and and delicious and seasonal. And we're very passionate about where we got our food from. And, you know, I, I do think that that's, and I, I, I take that for granted. And then I see tourists come from not far away and they're like, oh, wow, you guys really are into this year. I'm like, yeah, we really are. Um, I would say those two are the biggest things is the smallness of the businesses of being uh, personal. And then also this real emphasis on fresh and local and seasonal, I think is, is really well done here. Yeah. What would you say yeah, about the beer? beer? Wise, I mean, it's tough to pinpoint. I think I, I would have said a few years ago, I would have said that it was, um, was kind of this underrated, uh, lesser known, um, you know, quality of breweries that the mainland thought they had the best breweries, you know, because they just assumed they did because it's Vancouver. So of course we have the best breweries, but meanwhile, over here, we've had these amazing breweries like Spinnaker's and, and Driftwood and Phillips and so on making amazing beer for so long. But then I think in recent years, to be honest, I think Vancouver has caught up and it's it's a pretty amazing beer scene over there. So it's very hard to argue that now. But what we have now is we have this great infusion of of sort of fresh blood, which I think has revitalized some of the older, more established places. So places like Whistleboy and Herald Street and Il Sauvage and well, even going back, not even that much farther, but Category 12, I think they kind of... um, they brought fresh attention to the beer scene here and they're just so each of them is so unique and so, so good at what they do that some of the older kind of more established spots like Driftwood and Hoyne and Spinnakers and so on have had to 
kind of well not not that they've had to up their game but they've they've kind of they've learned you know they've they've adapted and they've adjusted and they're more they're they're doing more interesting things now too i think as a result the whole scene's kind of been reinvigorated is the way i feel kind of like everybody elevating them each other yeah, yeah well i would say yeah i think the collaboration spirit here is strong i think because we're a much smaller community in a much smaller city that even within the beer community, there's a ton of collaborations going on and food. There's a ton of collaborations going on. Dumpling drop in driftwood. Like there's just a lot of small business working with small business. I'm sure you see it in Vancouver, but it's a much bigger city and there's a bit more competition as opposed to collaboration. Whereas I think here the breweries work with each other and collaborate together. They're not at competition with each other in a sense. And same with the food scene here, people are trying to help each other out and Hey, I've got this. Do you want this? Like I just, there's such a great collaborative spirit. Ooh. And if we look at doing events, like virtually versus in person, what what are the differences that you find and which one do you like more, would you say? I mean, I, I guess from I, if I'm guessing, that probably would depend on aspects of it because I wouldn't just say, like for myself, I personally really like in person. I mean, some stuff you can't really do in person right now. But um, so like with the podcast, I put it on hold because I feel that like when you're in person, there's an energy transfer between people. And that's what I really appreciate. Um, and I just, I don't know, to me, the, the virtual land feels disconnected. Yeah, fair enough. I, I guess now because I've been doing them, what feels like five years, but I, maybe at the beginning, if you did ask me, I would have been like, oh, it's way better in person. I, this is just a bandaid to get me through a hump. But I honestly, I've gotten quite comfortable with them. I actually feel like I can make a connection through it. And I'm maybe a bit more comfortable because I'm in my home setting. I'm not sure if that's playing a role. I totally miss a fun event. And actually, I'm going to Victoria Wine Festival this Friday. It's the first one they've put on since COVID. Um, So it's going to be weird to be in that kind of setting again. I, I do love a good foodie event that's loud and rambunctious and all that good stuff. But I have to admit, doing these virtual events... Um, yeah, there's a quietness to it. There's a get to know you. You can hear each other talking. You know, it's it's definitely a different scene. It's smaller. Um, but to me, they have been a way to get to know people more. Whereas if I had seen Joe talk in a big room for Vic Beer Week, I, you know, it's loud. I'm maybe hear him through a microphone. Whereas on, I, I, I get this feedback a lot. There's people like, I literally got to sit down and have a glass of beer with Joe. And I don't think you get that. Um, if you go to a bigger event, whereas yeah. if we're sitting in our living rooms, having a glass of beer together. That's yeah. very true. Yeah. I mean, I think I, I totally agree with what Bonnie just said. And, and, you know, uh, in all honesty, uh, it's a lot less stressful to do yeah. an event virtually than to host an event virtually than to host it in person. There's so many more logistics and so much more that you have to kind of deal with on the fly when you're in person. And, um, so I'm, Definitely, I prefer the virtual events for that reason. But in terms of experience, like I miss Victoria Beer Week. I miss those events. I miss being in Victoria Public Market with 350 people. I don't think I could do that right now because of COVID. I think I would be very uncomfortable if someone said, do you want to go down to the market with 350 people? I wouldn't do that. But I look forward to the day when we'll be able to do that again. And I'm, I'm, I, th- there's an energy there that is totally unique and... and um, you know, I definitely want to enjoy again, for sure. But but that's a very different kind of event from what we're talking about, too. I mean, those big events we do at the market, we'd always have a food component. And some of them were really good, some really great dishes and some really great pairings. But, yeah, it's, it's much less structured. It's much, you know, less intimate. This is, you know, these kind of events that we do are are basically like us all hanging out in our living room and 
and, and sharing these dishes and talking about them. And it's a very different experience. So for these events, like, will these then continue in person after? Are you guys not going to do them? You'd, I think you'd mentioned you, you might not do these events like later or? Yeah, I'm not sure where the future will take us. Um, we never conceived them as an in-person event. So we'll see. I mean, once we still, I mean, I don't feel like the next, I don't feel like this winter is going to be opening up anytime soon. Like it's all the talk in the radio is about things clamping down even more. So also with yeah. this weather, who yeah. wants to go out? Yeah. I, I want to stay indoors too. That is, that's one nice aspect of like, you're at home, you're comfortable. Yeah. If you have to use the washroom. Well, and you we're can... drinking alcohol, right? Yeah. So yeah. like, where are we going to hold them? If we're holding them at a, at a venue, everybody's got to get there somehow. And yeah. that means someone's driving and, you know, those are all issues that, that make it challenging for people to enjoy themselves. And, and, um, you know, this way nobody has to worry about it. Everybody's at home. Yeah. They just, they can drink all the beer and then they're, they're happy. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Yeah, I think um, we, d- we definitely didn't do it over the summer and I probably wouldn't try to because, you know, A, people are just sick of being at home. They want to be out. Uh, yeah, I'm not totally opposed to doing them in person, but it, these events were conceived as a way to do something, uh, truly just do something. It, it got to a point where there was no events, no music, couldn't go to a restaurant. Like there was just nothing to do. I was bored. So I was like, I don't know, let's host a fun event. At least it cracks an hour and you get to hang out with people. So it really was conceived as something to do during the monotony of being at home constantly. And while there is the option to go out now, A, some people choose not to. And B, for all those reasons that Joe mentioned, the drinking, the being comfortable, the that, you know, some people don't feel safe going out still. And why should they be excluded from doing something fun? So, yeah, that's kind of what we're, we'll probably do a few more. We do private ones for people. I'm actually doing some private tastings. They don't have a beer component to them, but like from across what? Canada. I know, <laughs> shockingly. Uh, I can BS about beer all day long, but no, my forte is in food. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm noticing companies, they don't want to pay for their staff, you know, or the travel part of it's really hard still. And so I'm doing these virtual tastings where I ship the food out and we log online and we do like a corporate virtual tasting. I've been doing quite a few of those. Um, so I think that's not going away anytime soon either. So even the fact that things are maybe opening, it's still hard to travel. And there's still companies that want to host their staff that work virtually or whatever the case is, remote workers. So our world is kind of different now. And, you know, as a company, I needed to adapt and I did. And it's been so far so good. I you know, miss the old days. But at this point, this, I don't know when this will change back, but for now I'm, I'm in, I enjoy it. I get to sit from home and work and drink beer and eat cookies. So I'm, I'm living my life. Hey, just go with it. Yeah. It's nice and relaxing. I've, I've definitely become more like in tune with my introvert roots, uh, the past year and a half. Cause I was so used to going out to food events and like stuff in person. And I'd broken out of that kind of that mold, but now I've kind of like gone back into it a little bit more like a recluse. So yeah, no, it's why I do pre- appreciate that there are things like this that you are able to do sort of in the comfort of your own home. Um, and you mentioned um, about the BCA, BCAL Trail. For anyone that isn't familiar with the BCAL Trail, um, maybe just sort of let people know because it's an online resource, right? Yeah, so it's a it's basically a website and an app um, that we've built over the last five six years, and we cover most of the breweries in BC uh, with on these different ale trails, uh, regional ale trails, which are basically um, itineraries that we've planned out that people can follow. It's self guided stuff, so we're not building tours that we're taking people on. But the idea is you can you know visit the Victoria Ale Trail and you can find out about all the breweries and some of the ancillary businesses that are connected to them and the different things you can do around town and, and learn about the history of the breweries and the stories behind them and, and then take yourself on a tour to wherever you want to go. So um, we've got 
as I said, most of the province covered. The app is really cool too because you can actually check in at breweries and collect points and then redeem the reward points for, for different uh, prizes at different breweries and so on. Um, so there's lots of, and we have, you know, I have a blog on there and uh, various. I actually just uh, went on a, a cycling trip through the Gulf Islands uh, a couple of weeks ago. The, the, remember the big storm we had before this storm we just had? Yeah. Uh, the one where they were talking about, you know, the biggest, lowest. A barometer reading in history or something. I can't remember. It was a crazy storm, but now we've had another crazy one. So anyway, I was cycling through the Gulf Islands that weekend. Uh, it was an awesome experience. <laughs> Got very wet, but had a great time visiting breweries and cideries and, uh, and uh, um, having, a, having a blast. And I'm writing a big story about that, a big, long kind of photo essay blogs. So we call it a road trip tasting note on our site. So I'll, we'll be publishing that later this year. Uh, and actually I wanted to come out of the, coming out of that trip. I wanted to have, I'll give you guys two foodie recommendations since, since this is a foodie, foodie Sounds podcast. Good. Okay. I love so it. The first one is you mentioned Montreal. Did you have Montreal smoked meat when you were in Montreal? Yeah. I went to, um, the to famous Schwartz. one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Really good. Right. Yeah. So, uh, Salt Spring Island in Ganges. There's a, there's a place there, uh, called, Oh, I've, the name. It's crazy. Oh, come on. Uh, I'll have to look you, it up. You tempt me and then uh, you just yeah. look it up. But it's so good. <laughs> and and, and uh, it's totally like he advertises himself as the only Jew. There's more, he said there's more bears than Jews on Salt Spring Island. Um, and it's, it's delicious. And it was such a find. Is he doing like sandwiches? Yeah, smoked okay. meat sandwiches sandwich. and the, the latkes and all that, all that oh. sort of stuff. Uh, it's a funny name, so that's why I can, couldn't quite remember it. But I'm Googling it. Buzzies. Buzzies Luncheonette. So you know where the market is, and they have that one building with all the shops in it? It's kind of on the backside of that building. Is that new? Uh, no, it's been there for a few years. But oh, it's, I've never uh, seen it. I know. Um, it's excellent. And he makes his, like, smokes his own meat there. And uh, uh, he said his, his, one of his lines was, his latkes are seasoned with uh, his wife's tears of disdain or something like that. <laughs> he was very, very funny. He was very much the prototypical Montreal Jew nice. type character. I appreciate and, this, these tips because yeah, I, I highly recommend that one. I feel like I knew all of Salt Spring. And I obviously don't. Yeah. So that's my Salt Spring tip. But then my other tip is Main Island has an amazing restaurant that is like a destination restaurant. I, you guys should go to Main Island just to go to this restaurant. It's called Das Nest. It's a German chef from uh, who was over in Vancouver. And he and his fiance had a holiday on Main Island last year and struck up a friendship with the folks at Main Island Brewing. Uh, Michael and Annette, who are a wonderful couple and, and great great people all around and basically by the end of that evening of visiting at the brewery they had pretty much already decided that that Jan and um, Randy the couple the young couple the chef and his fiance were going to buy a restaurant that was had closed uh, in on Main Island and, and take it over and they did and it's we we were there my friend and I were there for their full like chef's tasting five course meal with all he works totally with local ingredients. He's like, what do you call it? Hoof to nose to oh, yeah. tail yeah. to all <laughs> that stuff. Uh, all the every every part of the pig, every part of the animal, everything. Lots of vegetarian stuff too. Everything like wow. locally grown and foraged. And um, we had a rack of lamb from from uh, Saturna Island. And oh my god, it yeah. was just a, a meal I'll remember for a long, long time. Uh, and so I highly recommend it as a. Go to Main Island for a weekend and have go to the brewery, have a great time there, and then go have dinner at Dust Nest. You won't be disappointed. All right. This has to happen. I find that that like for the for the food experiences for myself that sort of stand out like my top three. All of them. Part of it is is I've been on like a trip somewhere and it's somewhere that's not at home. Yeah. 
where it, like the the um, something about the actual uh, atmosphere or, or being somewhere else. It does something to the experience, I think. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, if my favorite meal ever was in Paris, I can remember it almost completely perfectly right now from ten years ago, eleven years ago. So, I have I have one in Seattle, one in Japan, and then I think one here would be my top three. So nice. That's a, that sounds like a podcast. I know. Right there. I would love like to an do episode a top, right there. Uh, your meal experiences. Oh. Well, what what are your top meal experiences? So you oh, said man. you said Paris. Yeah, it was, it was, uh, this, my friends, I had some friends who were writers who were living in Paris for, uh, three or four months. And this is uh, at the tail end of my trip to Oktoberfest in 2011. Um, and I, I booked a visit with them, uh, and they were actually in um, a suburb of Paris. I think it's called Vincennes. And, um, they took me out to this local restaurant there. I'd have to, I don't, I know I said it's a memorable, but I can't remember the name off the top of my head of the restaurant, but I remember having Osobuco there and it was just, unbelievably good what is that that's um the i thought you would know i don't know it's the it's like the beef shank with the marrow and the bone in the middle and you have it on a bed of like i think it was rice or something like that not no it might have been something else but uh it was just the the wine and that and exquisite it was it was exquisite i role play as a footy i know nothing (laughs) (laughs) i actually made my own osobuka and it was pretty good so (laughs) awesome Yes. Oh gosh. I'll, I'll at least name two. My first one is when I first started really getting into food and a friend of mine was a chef and he had gotten uh, in Vancouver. I was living in Vancouver at the time and, uh, he, it was a lovely place. And anyway, we went there and it was a small restaurant and they said, you know, the chef's going to cook for you if that's okay. We're like, great. Not, you know, knowing he probably would, but at the same time, thinking we would just order a few dishes from the menu. Maybe he'd recommend one. But anyways, we it was me and a friend of mine, and uh, we did 15 pairings. It lasted for hours. They paired a wine with every course. Wow. Dishes I'd never had. Uh, like little, like, ugh, it was just incredible. And I just, we just weren't expecting it. So like every time a new dish came out, it was just like, what's, the, it was the first time I'd really had a fine dining experience, I guess. Maybe that's why it was so memorable. But also mm. the food was incredible. But by the end of it, I was done but a, truly a very memorable experience for myself as, as someone who got into food that was one of my first real touches with that type of style of dining which I loved and then of course Italy um, it's really hard to have a bad experience there but I, I did a food tour uh, with this company in Florence and he the guide was incredible and just the experience um, oh, man it just it was wild yeah the food was crazy uh, we had that Florentine steak that is a minimum of four fingers thick Wow. Yeah. And so they took us into the back of the restaurant and they showed us how he cut it. It's huge. And it's meant to like it fed the table. So it's I mean, this was a man's forefinger. So like it was about that thick, huge and like and huge. And it took probably an hour to cook it. uh, But uh, that was one stop. And like we ate, we drank like Vincento on the steps of this old. Like it was just such a great experience as a food tour. I mean, I walked out of there being like, I need to recreate this in Victoria. And was like, I probably can't recreate that in Victoria. But, you know, it was just really inspiring as someone who does food tours for a living to, to have that type of experience on a tour. It wasn't a big group, um, but man, was it ever a memorable. F- yeah, we had tripe. I mean, I, uh, yeah, we had crazy dishes. We made our own Negronis. Like, it was so, it's such a good experience. Um, yeah, so those are for sure my top most. I mean, I, I could probably go into a million more, but uh, this <laughs> podcast like will be nine time. hours yeah. long. Well, yeah, it was yeah, awesome. I could tell, like, I've got a bunch of questions here. I'm not going to do everything because we'd be here for like 10 hours. Yeah, I could talk to you for 10 hours. But uh, that sounds like a hell of an experience. It was wild, yeah. So imagine, imagine being that tour guide 
and getting to do that all the time and that becoming normal. Like that would, I wonder what that would feel like to live in that world. I wonder, it also might've been the group. I, sometimes doing food tours, you just, you get this magical group of people together that don't know each other and they just are clicking and the food is clicking and everything's going right. And they're passionate about, you can tell they want to know more about food and they're asking the questions. And then at that point, I know I've done tours. I don't, I don't typically do the tours anymore. It's my guide, Brenda, that does the bulk of the, the guided tours. Um, but when I was really doing a lot of them, um, going at least an hour over, I mean, I'm paying myself so I can do that, but, uh, going way over just because I was really getting along with them and they were intrigued by food. And I just kept taking them to places that I liked and they were loving it. And I was like, I'll keep going. Like, let's, let's hang out and eat together. So yeah, I definitely love it when that happens. And I just think, I mean, I obviously going to Italy, I owned a food tour company, so I was really interested in the food. And I think there was a guy there that owned a winery, but anyway, it just ended up being a great group. So I don't know if that was always the experience. Um, I think legitimately this company was just really good but yeah i've done food tours around the world and so it, that one really stood out to me and i did probably eight when i went to italy um and that one by far blew blew them out of the water and i've done some great ones in toronto and montreal and, and vancouver yeah there's some really great food tour. i mean there's one in tofino that i've been dying to try um so there's there's a few of them now yeah but yes as for memorable meals i certainly i, I like to cook you know, people always, ask, I mean, the first thing people ask me is what's your favorite restaurant? I'm sure, Joe, you get what's your favorite beer as yeah. soon as people meet you. And I, I don't love that I don't question. like that question at all. I hate that question. Yeah. Hate How is, am hate I going to tell good... you what, you know, yeah. what's, what's, what's the situation? Is it fine dining? Is it, am I just grabbing a bite to eat? And is it, yeah, I, I hate that question too. Again, going back to Mike when he was with me, anytime somebody would message the account saying, what's your favorite place? He would, it would like aggravate him. Yeah. Cause there is, there is so much more that you need. Yeah. The, for the context. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. totally. like if, if you like what's your favorite place for a, a, if you have 10 minutes versus like said, three mac hours. Mac and cheese sometimes is what I want. Like sometimes I'm going to spaghetti factory and getting them a Zithra cheese. And that's like the greatest meal I've had in a week. You know, like, I don't know. I, I hate, I feel pressured to say something fancy too. Cause I think if I said something not, people would be disappointed. So yeah, I dislike that question, but, um, I can't remember where I was going with this. I think but. you're going to talk about making your own food. Yeah, sorry. So I do tend to cook a lot. I love cooking. I love the, the I love eating with friends. I do like that. But I mean, I'm a small business owner. I ain't going out to fine dining every night. It's a treat when I get to go out to eat as well. So um, the experience of eating with friends, like I could probably list easily my top 20 cooking experiences with friends. No problem. Definitely, obviously going out to, to eat is such a great, when it's done well, that experience is so exciting. And the service when it's good, it's just, you're transported. Um, but just eating in general and cooking and being around food or being around good beer and being around that is also, would love to sit around a table with a bunch of people and talk about their favorite food experiences is definitely something I could get into. Is, mm-hmm. is there a food spot, maybe like a hidden gem that you guys frequent more often than, than others? That's kind of how I phrase it. I don't say like, what's your favorite? I'm kind of like, what spot do you go to most often? I do come here a lot uh, where we're sitting today, Jonathan's, um, because he also does beautiful pastries. He makes his own bread here. He does a sandwich on occasion when he's he's feeling it. Um, I do tend to come into the shop a lot. I go to ballet a lot just down the road for their Vietnamese sandwiches. I just, if I'm just wanting a nice quick meal, I tend to go there. Um, And lastly... um, well, my last great food experience here was at Wing Cries Mary. It was a great experience. I really enjoyed it. It was the kind of chef's table. The service was great. I thought it, I was like, yeah, yeah, legit. This is, I hadn't gone out in a long time. So not that I'd gone there a lot, but that's definitely one that I was like, I'd come back. I don't know, Joe, you got any top? Well, my big uh, pandemic discovery was uh, chicken on the run. 
Oh, really? You know what? I've never eaten there. No, it's great. But the amazing thing... The chicken is... The fried chicken there is... Where is, is it? It's, so, a, it's on Craigflower in Esquimalt. It's uh, it's the chicken on the run with uh, the... Um, it's got the Chinese restaurant next to it, too. The, I can't remember the name of the Chinese, but it's all the same business. Okay. And they've got the crazy, which I assumed would be an offensive painting, but it's like a Chinese chef chasing a chicken. Um, but it's like they, they call it double roasted fried chicken or something like that. And it's excellent. A friend of mine uh, recommended it last year and we were like to a couple of a couple of us and we were skeptical, but we tried it and we loved it. Yeah. And now we've had it several times. And even one night, the same guy who introduced it, he, he had he just recently his wife and he had a baby, but his wife took the baby to see his parents, see her parents. And so he had like a, a few free nights and he hosted a night of where we, we all had to bring different fried chicken in and uh, and compare them. So we had like GMAC and yeah. 649 and Thunderbird and Chicken on the Run. And it was like, it was an epic night. Um, and we did beer pairings and everything else and played board games. But like still, like Chicken on the Run to me was the best one. Okay. It was really, it's really oh. good. It's really good. That's good to fried know chicken. because yeah. I, I had six, Chicken 649 this week. Yeah, like I love it there. Too. I like it too. Like yeah. the, uh, the, the soy ginger one yeah. or the soy garlic or whatever it is. And then whatever the sweet one is, yeah, I get that like yeah. the half and half of that, amazing combo. Yeah, we did them on a, a tasting that we That's did right, a beer yeah. event that we yeah. did. We used their fried chicken. So that chicken on the run, that location, uh, Byron that owns Fry's Bakery, that that chicken on the run location, I believe was his grandfather's bakery back a hundred years ago. Wow. So it, it's, it was kind of, that's one thing I learned when we, Mike and I did the radio segment, when we, we talked to Byron, um, that yeah, his grandfather had that, that was the bakery. And then here he is across the street uh, where he is now. And it's been there for a long time. Like I lived yeah. here in the 90s 100%. before I moved away and went to Vancouver and then came back. And it was here there. It was here then. And I, did, I never tried it until like this year. And I finally did. And I'm so glad I did. It's great. All right. I'll check it out. I love fried chicken. Yeah. So what did you like about it above the others? Oh, it's just the... the was it was it more crispy? The, the crispiness, but then the, the flavor, the juiciness of the meat inside and just the overall flavor. Some of the other fried chicken was good, but it was kind of bland, like kind of not much flavor in the meat itself. And I don't know, it just just hmm. worked. Everything about it worked and was so it, well. Were there sauces or was it just no, like No, it's just original. fried chicken. And then they have these crazy uh, breaded fries that you get with them, which are weird. But kind of good too. Like they're French fries, but they're breaded in like, um, uh, not panko. What's the other? Uh, uh, I can't remember the description of it, but they're just really kind of big fries that are breaded. <laughs> they're good, but they're weird. But the chicken is excellent. Okay. That's good to know. I'm going to yeah. do that next time. Uh, do you guys have a favorite experience locally related to beer? Whatever that means to you, like an experience or, or something where you can go and have something. Not necessarily the beer. Maybe it's the the atmosphere or... Yeah, I mean, I, I love going to Spinnaker's, the first place, you know, the first brew pub in Canada dating back to 1984, but specifically to have the cask-conditioned Mitchell's ESB, the uh, original recipe, you know, that, that uh, John Mitchell made when, when they opened that place. Um, they have it on cask, you know, pulled. I'm If you're not watching the video, I'm like a British <laughs> bartender pulling a cask ale. And they, it's, you know, it's just excellent and when i bring people there and you know i had i had a, a brewer friend visiting here last month and we met there 
And I got there five minutes late, so he already had ordered a beer. And I ordered the cask beer, and he was like, oh, they do that here? And I'm like, yeah, they do it here. And he was so jealous <laughs> as, as I had this beer in front of him, right? Um, but, uh, yeah, it's it's really good. I always recommend it to people who haven't been to Spinnaker's before or haven't tried that before. That's Spinnaker's one of my favorites. such a cool place yeah. that they have that, that – is it a milling machine? Or, or whatever that machine is, it's upstairs. Yeah. Like every single beer that's ever been made – has gone through that at yeah, the start. It's, it's the grain being milled through there, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It, it's such a cool spot. I, I I really enjoyed doing the podcast with Paul and Patty when we did that one. Yeah, and, and even though like I talk about it as if it's an old brewery with just about the history, they're also completely current. And as you know from your visit there, they they're making all these amazing sour beers. They have their whole barrel conditioning program, you know, in the warehouse. Yeah, have you have you been? And, yeah, have you been in there? Yeah, I have. that room is super cool. And that's right next to Driftwood's new location, right? Like that's oh. that's basically right where Driftwood is now. Is they right just they they that. took me to this other place. I didn't know what was around there. Yeah. Oh, they blindfolded you? Kind of. I <laughs> just followed the them and of, then tossed you in the back of the Spinnaker's van. Yeah, you just secret location you can't you can't know you can't tell anybody but that that, that aging room um when i was there i had the frambois Ooh. uh whatever that beer is yeah. and that's one of the best ones i think i've ever had no oh, you said you like sour beers and i mean that's like they're doing it the authentic belgian souring way which is aging it in barrels that are essentially inoculated with micro organisms that slowly sour the beer and then blending those old like vintages basically it's more like blending then it's, it's more of a blending process than anything. And and then the resulting beer is what you, you know, bottle up and serve, but it takes years to make those beers. What a cool place. I mean, it yeah. just, and, and the fact too, that it, like when they started, it was illegal to brew beer and sell it in the same building. Yeah. Well, they had to get that law changed right before they opened. But yeah. They, they were prepared to float the law if they had to. Yeah. Yeah. Victoria's very cool. All the stuff that just is, that we just like could take for granted. Yeah. But then I also love sitting down at Whistleboy in the bottom of Market Square. Again, you have the history of the building, but then you have this really fresh and new uh, young brewery with great, great vibe. You know, sitting sitting down there is a great experience. I love riding my bike out to Category 12 and having a beer there because they're, you know, they're, every new beer that comes out seems to be better than the last. I just got another email about another new IPA they're releasing and it looks even better than the last one, you know. So, yeah, it's just a great, exciting scene. So, so cool. Yeah, I, my my pick was Whistleboy as well. I just like, especially over the pandemic, because they created that whole outdoor patio space and kind of the Drake having that option down there as well. And I got a puppy. And so like everyone over COVID and uh, you could bring your dog and you could bring your own food in. They were really open to, hey, go grab a pizza from Virtuous Pie and bring it down. I love that they collaborated with... Um, the oyster shucking people that were there. Yeah, so watering get, mollusks. Yeah, so you get oysters, you know, a business in a business. Uh, I, I love that about Victoria, about how, the, you know, they're just, everyone's trying to prop each other up um, for the most part. And so, yeah, I, I like that experience a lot with Savoy. It's one of my, and their beer's great. And we've used them a few times and really enjoyed them. Yeah, um, if they, if they package their beer more in, yeah. in small cans, we would, but they really just do the big crowlers yeah. most of the time. And so it's too big for our events. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like that beer experience a lot. Mm -hmm. And yeah, Category 12 is in my neighborhood, so I tend yeah. to go there quite a bit. And I got to say, for at-home experiences, the wandering mollusk, the big, the big, um, yeah. like the big canisters he does, like are are phenomenal. Yeah, I've been I've been meaning to try one. I've oh yet my to god! It's really like, cool. like a boil boil a crab kind of thing. Like a it literally, it's it, like the potatoes were cooked perfectly. The sausages for the, I think the sausages were almost my favorite part. I don't know what was going on with that. But this, the whole thing was phenomenal. It took like 20 minutes to cook this. Everything was perfect. 
Like you just put water and you you put it on the stove. And you boil. Hmm. You just dump it out. Everything. It's like, like a it's crab boil in a bucket to incredible. go. Incredible. Kind of yeah. cool. Such, Such a, cool a variety of stuff. Did. Yeah, that's pretty rad. Um, we should probably wind this down. Yeah. I think. It's been, we've been, I'm getting thirsty. I think I want to go over to Refuge and have a beer. <laughs> well, we're just, we're hitting the two hour mark right now. Holy cow. Um, so I, I, what do you guys have coming up? Anything in the future here coming up soon? Go ahead, Joe. Oh, well, I mean, we've got the beer and cookies, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> well, um, well, this will come out next week, yeah? This is going to come out on Tuesday next week, which I don't know what day that is. 20-something. Well, yeah, today, 23rd. Today is the 16th. Yeah, the 23rd. Yeah. Do you have a vessel schedule? For yeah, I've got a vessel week? thing. Uh, that's this. My next one is this week, but then I have another one in Christmas uh, in mid-December. So check the vessel website for that. That'll be all holiday beers. Uh, and that's um, always a fun time because we always get some really interesting beers in that mix. Um, and then uh, I'm also doing the BCL Trail Hoppy Hour event, which is always a fun thing. We do that every month. Uh, it's an hour-long talk. We had you on there once, Dallas. And, yeah, thank you for having me. Uh, uh, that's on Instagram, and so we that's a fun experience as well. That's uh, the first Thursday in December, I believe. Um, yeah, and we'll see what else happens. I mean, there might be some Christmas parties in the mix there. I don't know yet. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I am launching the self-guided cozy Christmas tour this week, so it'll be go- it'll run till the end of December. Uh, so that's going to be really fun to see people go through with that. And then, of course, the beer and cookies event uh, going on December 4th. And then I'm actually in chats uh, with the Robert Bateman Center. I um, obviously share a space with them now. They're in the top of the building at the steamship terminal. And we've been chatting about how they've always wanted to incorporate something food-like in their society. So we might do, and I'll have to maybe tap your brain here, uh, Joe, but they we might do something with Robert Bateman, who lives on Salt Spring Island, and his son, and do a virtual tasting with them and then in- incorporate all food that comes from Salt Spring Island uh, maybe throw a beer in there for sure. But uh, that think, sounds like a great idea. Yeah, go do a cool virtual tasting with the Ooh. Robert Bateman Center and maybe add a kind of a bit of sustainability slant to that. So potentially doing that in January with the Robert Bateman Center. But oh, other cool. than that, I'll have to be slinging food at the uh, <laughs> Steamship Journal building. After my visit to Salt Spring, I mean, yeah, definitely you can include a beer from the brewery, but they also have some amazing cider going on over yes. there. So I would probably recommend mixing some of that into it too. Definitely. Mm-hmm. And that's about it. And in business, what has been the biggest lesson that both of you have learned? Like in all the years, what, what comes to mind first? Well, I think for me, it's following your heart, following your passion. I mean, I, I was writing. I was interested in, in travel writing. I was doing a lot of, um, you know, telling people stories and things like that, uh, book reviews, all that sort of stuff, whatever I could do to get published as a freelancer. And I would, whenever I had a chance to write about beer as part of a story, I would just love it. I would be so excited. And, and I felt like that part of the story was really coming out, you know, in, in capital letters in a sense. Um, so eventually when I finally decided to focus on writing about beer, it was like such an obviously right choice to do it. <laughs> so in that sense, you know, believing in that, like, I just like, I loved beer and I loved telling the stories of the people I met in the beer industry and so on. So following that passion and it's you know i'm still doing it today so yeah Yeah, you made a good choice yeah i think so yes definitely that uh for sure you know 
I, I love food. I love talking about food. I love showing people food. I, I but you know, and I've, I've mentioned this a few times about collaboration, but I, I, someone told me once like collaboration is the new competition. And I thought that was so smart as someone who owns a food tour company. I, I, I have to collaborate with restaurants. I, I'm not just doing this in a vacuum. Uh, so I work with over 30 restaurants in town and I, I love reaching out to new restaurants that open or, or places that don't look like they have a massive following out the door. And I like going in and finding their story and, and saying, hey, do you want to work with me on something? Or reaching out to an art gallery and saying, hey, I have this crazy idea to combine food with art. What do you think? And I, I really like collaborating with people and, 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 and that aspect of it. Um, and also I've noticed, I, I honestly, I... <laughs> like punching above my weight. Like I tend to be like, I don't know, they'd never want to do something with me. I, uh, and then asking and then finding out that they're like, yeah, that sounds really cool. I'm like, oh, wow. So I tend to not shy away anymore from asking people that I think will say no, because I actually find that most people will say yes if you show some passion and, and, and ingenuity and maybe some creativity, um, not being shy to reach out and saying, you know, hey, I'd love to work with you. What do you think? And sometimes they say yes, and which is great. And you got nothing to lose, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, right. You know, that's cool. They can cool. say no. Okay, you yeah. move on. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're not any worse off. Yeah, right. exactly. If you, if you miss all the shots that you don't take. So I I have been lucky to, yeah, work with some great people and, and reach out to even restaurants. I'm like, oh, they're too busy. They will have absolutely zero interest in having my little groups come around. And if I do reach out, they're like, yeah, that sounds awesome. We'd love to be a part of that. I'm like, oh, cool. So, yeah, I think that for business and that's specific to my business, but I do think if you reach out to like even mentors or like people that have been in business for a long time, um, reaching out to people to say, hey, I love what you do. What do you think? Uh, I've realized that the more you reach out, uh, the more, yeah, you can make some connections. I love it. And if people want to find out more for the both of you, where can they find out more? Yes. So offtheeatintracktours.ca is my company's website, which is also where you will find tickets to the event that Joe and I are doing. Um, so if you go onto the website, go into guided tours, you'll see a section that says virtual events. So you can easily find a ticket that way. Um, yeah. That's so if they buy a ticket, then they, they will have to pick up the, the package? Yes. So last winter, we did it a little bit differently, mostly because there was such a crazy lockdown and I didn't have a physical space. So I was doing everything from my home office. But um, this year, what's different is that once they've purchased a ticket, um, the beer and the cookies will be available for pickup at the steamship terminal, which is, of course, all explained on the website. But essentially, people come and pick up their foodie package, their food and beer package during the day. And then they log on at night uh, to, to talk with Joe and I. So the event itself takes place from 7 to 8 p.m., um, but they can come and get their cookies and beer package during the day at the kiosk space, typically from 10 to 10 to four. Um, but yeah, that's how you can find that event in my website. Uh, that's the best way to track me down. And yeah, you called me the thirsty writer earlier. So I'm, I do have a website called thirsty writer. It's not, it's kind of static. It doesn't have a lot of anything new going on there, but I'm active on Instagram and, and Twitter as thirsty writer. And, uh, the BCL trail is where most of my, um, uh, focuses these days. So that's you know, a lot of my writing and a lot of my, uh, you know, a lot of my strategic planning and things like that is, is going into that. So you can find me there. Awesome. Thank, thank you so much for the time tonight. I really appreciate it. Getting me out of my place and like doing one of these things again. So thank you very much, guys. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. It was a great time. Thanks for eating cookies and Cheers. drinking beer. <laughs> yeah. And thanks for thank helping you. us with that, with that beer pick. That yeah. Was, so the ginger on ginger is a go. Thank you. And if, uh, if you're looking for any more of what I'm doing, you can go to vicfoodguys.ca or search for vicfoodguys on Instagram and you're going to find some more stuff there. 
I should hopefully have some more episodes coming up soon. I just got to get off my ass and do them. So I'll talk to you all soon.